Hello and welcome to episode 228 of the Random Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. I am a not enthusiastic Kevin. <gasps> Where's the enthusiasm, yes. Kevin? It's gone. With all my hopes and dreams. What did what what happened? What what game did you lose in recently? Uh <laughs> oh, Mario Kart last night. I got I got trounced by. Were you by doing? My wait, were you doing? Were you doing after the, smack talking uh, the uh, the entire night? No, no. It was, it <laughs> you was, weren't doing the tournament. It was just among friends. No, it was just among friends. Yeah, I got trounced. Angel, have you been doing the tournament this weekend? I tried the tournament yesterday, but did you also get destroyed? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got Mario Karted, got sixth place on the first race, which essentially means there's no point in doing the rest of it because there's no way you get top eight if you get even one thing less than second place. It's about the the journey, not the destination. So I mean, that it is, but games? I mean, that's the thing about Mario Kart. Like, it's a fool's errand to play it online without friends. Like, that game yeah. should only be played with friends because if you play it without friends, like, it's just aggravating. Unless you, you, unless you, I mean, like I've had to like restructure my thinking into saying, all right, I get points as in like my ranking goes up if I get like ace place and up with a full group of twelve people. So essentially, anything ace place and up is good. It's like all right. <laughs> Before it would be like super frustrating. It's like oh, I can't get out of the pack because I mean you could be playing perfectly, but the game just says no. Like the game just straight up says no. You stay back here. But if you're playing with friends, I mean, it doesn't matter. And if anything, it's even more fun when you get wrecked because your friend did something cool or vice versa. So, so is there know, a re- it sounds like Kevin was saying the opposite moments before you. So is there a reason why you feel this way about Mario Kart and not, say, Smash? Because Mario Kart has a lot of elements that you have complete... Yeah, like I said, like you have no control over them. I could be playing perfectly and I could still get last place, which is why, like, for a while it would, like, really pissed me off that like losing would piss me off more because it's like no I did everything perfectly but I still lost this is like bull I hate this game blah 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 but Smash Brothers is the opposite where if you're playing extremely well you will only lose if you either mess up on your own or the other person was just straight up better so you okay like, yeah, you, I can understand that then so, so, so you don't mm-hmm. really feel bad I mean you can't blame anyone but yourself and yeah, in this I got game, Mario Kart pretty hard last night yeah so. and Mario Kart you can literally blame the game like you are out of the equation Someone like Jason That's could get first ne- place. He's literally beaten Nigel, oh. like uh, one of our seasoned, yeah. like veteran Mario Kart players. But he's lost to Jason a couple of times because Mario Kart is Mario Karts. And let me tell you, what a glorious feeling it was to win. Oh man, I'm so what happy I've been true, of that one. What a true moment to cherish the rest of my life. Yeah, but speaking of cars, I guess that's um the theme of the episode because we watched cars yeah. recently, and Jason's just on a cars kick. So yeah, there is a cars kick. We're calling this episode "Full Speed Ahead" uh, because yeah, we're talking a lot about games with cars. I mean, Mario Kart that wasn't even necessarily planned, but like that's the one that's the one with cars too. Is uh, it full like, speed this... ahead? Like, is that like a nautical like term? Isn't Don't ruin like this, a, Kevin. Like you are correct term? though. <laughs> now that you mention it, you are correct. Um, <laughs> I think it yeah, is. Like, I don't think anybody yeah. in a car has ever been like, "Hey, full speed ahead!" Like, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, people they pedal well, to the metal. <laughs> what about we're, like full too... throttle or something? Should we? Ooh, you want to change it throttle. on the fly? We could do full throttle. Okay, Ooh, you guys are witnessing it, history. It, we're witnessing history and on the fly episode title change. Good thing I did not make any of the banners for this yet because I would have to go redo them. But um, yeah, we're okay. So calling it full throttle. What about you do full speed ahead? Full speed, yeah, full speed ahead, but then you put a bunch of aircraft carriers like full in their banner, ahead. and then you have or, cars why, why on. T- do... Then you have cars <laughs> on top of the aircraft carriers because the ships are going full speed ahead. 
And the cards or are we could do – yeah, no, that's a lot of work. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what my Photoshop skills look like because I only have a little bit of time between when we record this and when we all regroup to play Switch and have me win at Mario Kart maybe. I don't know. But Before um, we continue, I'm yeah. sorry, Angel. Did you say that you just saw Cars? cars like for the three. first time? No. Like, oh, Cars 3. Oh, okay. Hmm. I still haven't seen Cars 2, which apparently is Nigel's favorite. Oh, I don't it's know. excuse me? He likes that movie? <laughs> He said that's I his saw favorite that movie of the theaters. three. Oh, you saw it in theaters? I'm I saw sorry, that Kevin. movie in theaters. I saw yeah. it in theaters with like my entire family, and like afterwards, I went on Facebook and I was like, "Cars two <laughs> isn't that bad." And like immediately, I commented <laughs> on my own post saying, "Oh no, it wasn't. It was terrible. Don't watch this movie." Like, like, oh man, that that movie I mean, is so bad. I, I felt wow, you had an inner. You had an inner debate that you had to spill out on the Facebook. Like as soon as I, as soon as I saw what I, what I wrote out, I was like, no, don't, don't lie to these people. And so, I think Cars One is okay, and I think Cars Three was pretty good. It was just, it just did a good job of just continuing the story. Cars Two, I never watched, but I guess in Nigel's defense, he says that he liked it because of just the, the, the country bouncing, and I guess all the references to real world race car drivers which is a, which he's a big fan of okay yeah that that's that they that actually did out. good like uh, did a good job of like that famous f1 track in like italy or, or whatever the the one that was featured in uh iron man 2 the or milan is that milan i think it was Damn milan. It. it might be milan yeah that sounds like milan yeah so if, i mean since he's all into that and i'm sure he actually knew i can appreciate all the details and all the references i'm sure that actually helps a lot yeah do you, do you think there's a guy right now listening who is so used to us opening this show with a rundown of our topics and me going, there are timestamps on the blog post for episode 228 if you go no. com that they're freaking out like, where are my timestamps? And they're like, can't <laughs> handle this change. <laughs> no, because you'll see the, the timestamps in the episode description. So That's yeah, true. I, That's I, true. I, I feel if I was a listener, which I'm not, but I mean, who, who, listens, to their own po- yeah, who listens to their own podcast? That's narcissistic. But um, <laughs> if I was... Especially for one of this length where, like, not all topics apply to me. I feel like I would rarely ever even listen to the intro. I would just immediately skip to the timestamp. Well, don't give people ideas. We work hard on these cheesy intros. Actually, this intro is totally off the we hey, If anyone was already doing that, they would have done by now, by now. Now. Yeah. Well, in this episode, which is now called Full Thrall, I should point out what we are talking about <laughs> at some point, which are a lot of car things already. Right. Uh, but, no, in, like, this whole, like, Great time. stay-at-home home lull we're in, we've kind of been respectively catching up on things involving cars. So, uh there's Rocket League's new, new-ish Rocket Pass. Uh, there's the other side of that coin of the free-to-play equation with uh, Asphalt 9 Legends, which I've been playing. There's a stunt mode style game uh, that's on sale right now for 99 cents on the eShop called Wrecked, which I've also been playing. And uh, you have chickens, Angel. Chicken Wiggle, right? Well, that game hasn't come out yet. It's still oh, waiting. you're talking about the upcoming one. I thought you were talking about the uh, 3DS one. You're talking about the re- the renamed Chicken Wiggle. Yeah, I never got the original one because oh. by that point I had already moved on to the Switch. But, mm-hmm. yeah, like, um, they just came out with some updates recently. And, like, when they came out with the updates, I was like, oh, that's right. I backed this game on Kickstarter. But then, well, I'll, I'll get into it later. But Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do uh, what we've been playing and then what you want now. to be playing because I misunderstood what you were playing when I made this list. Uh, but, yeah, besides the car stuff, this episode – I mean, like, I'm only really playing Rhythm Heaven on my 3DS. That's, about it. that's fair. That's, that's a good one to do. Um, the creator said that people wanted a new Rhythm Heaven. They should be vocal about it. So here's your platform, Angel. Be vocal. So, All right. I think I have to go above um, and beyond. Yeah, really. Like when we get to what you're playing, just – 
belted out. Oh um, no, I meant more like I'm gonna have to like bring back the make a brand new video. I think the last video uh, I made of Rhythm Heaven was the Little Mac one. Mm-hmm. And I don't really see any videos done for Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix. Everything is just Rhythm Heaven. Well, the last one. For those who have yet to see his video, it is on Ramtown.com under our extras. The the Punch Out Rhythm Heaven mashup. Forgot what we called it, but that was what it was <laughs> in description. Our first and only <laughs> like edited remix video of a yeah no but for, for cool. random Nintendo because it was a random Nintendo branded one. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, which was very kind of you because you also have you know your own self to brand as. But uh, yeah, we also have news this episode to talk about. Uh, the industry as a whole is kind of going full throttle and moving forward in these weird times. So we're gonna get a sense of how that's coming around and how, what normal is now. And uh, actually, I take that back. Not the whole industry. Nintendo, I don't know what they're doing. They seem like they curled up in the field position and went off in a corner. But we're going to be discussing uh, their financial report and Switch sales, which are accelerating and going great. But then at the same time, they basically aren't talking about their future whatsoever. And while the rest of the industry is moving forward, Nintendo's just kind of like, eh. So we'll, we'll, we'll break all that down later and show them what that can mean. But we should first start, since we're already talking about cards. Let's just keep talking about cards. Or really, games about cards. Games that involve cars. I don't think any of them are actually even about cars. Um, I, I think only of the three, one of them has you like driving a car on a street. But uh, the biggest one is probably Rocket League, which Kevin, you you've been getting back into now that has that whole Rocket Pass system, right? How how is that? Uh, it's been cool. Yeah. So uh, originally, Rocket League was only released for the PS4, right? When it came out about like four or five years ago. I believe so, and then it trickled to the other platforms. Right. Right. And, then and Switch so, was one of the last to get it. Yeah, and so. I don't know how many people know this, but Rocket League is actually a sequel. To what? To hold on, because the, the name cars? escapes me all the time. Uh, Man, Kevin, or take or it from the fun. <laughs> take it from the fun fact expert over here. If you have a fun fact and you have it locked and loaded and ready to go, so it <laughs> is a sequel to Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Powered Battle Cars, Jesus. a 2008 video game uh, for the PlayStation Three. I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, so this is... And I would remember it not with that like title. That. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I would... I always love quirky weird things like that. That would have caught my eye if I ever knew about it. Yeah. Uh, so, what? Rocket League was released on the PS4 first, I think, as a PS Plus game. So, that helped it blow up. And I remember playing it back then. It was really fun. But I mm-hmm. just never really got that into it. Uh, and it wasn't until, like, a coworker of mine said, like, come on, let's play. Let's play some Rocket League. It's got crossplay now. So, I said, yeah, I'll jump into it. And I jumped into it during, I guess, Season 5 of the Battle Pass, which was an anime-inspired Battle Pass with a bunch of anime decals, cards, and stuff like that. Ooh, that's cool. How fitting for you. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's (laughs) cool. But it wasn't until this season where I was like, you know what, I'll buy it. Because this uh, Battle Pass, Rocket Pass 6, is cyberpunk-inspired. And you guys all know how much I've, I've I've been waiting for... For Cyberpunk 2077, which would right. have already been released by now had they not pushed it the date. Have. Wait, uh, how much was the Battle Pass again? Did you say that yet? Oh, okay, so it's so it's ten dollars. Oh, that's way cheaper than I expected. Yeah, so it's ten dollars, and the cool thing about it, as with a lot of uh, Battle Passes or Season Passes, uh, I know Fortnite does this, is if you level up the Battle Pass like all the way through. You will mm-hmm. earn enough credit and then some to buy next season's battle pass, season pass, what have you, for free. Huh. Mm-hmm. So do they do they just assume either A, not enough people will do that, or B, the people that do that are going to be buying like skins and extra like optional items to make up the price difference that 
you know, it's worth it for them to basically give out the premium thing for free because they can microtransact everyone later. So, uh, so I feel like what a lot of a lot of season passes do because I've been playing a lot of of season slash battle pass games recently. Like Warzone has its own season pass. Destiny mm-hmm. has its own season pass. Uh, Fortnite was the, was really I feel like the first one to really popularize these, the season pass. Well, Fortnite yeah. does really smart yeah. is Fortnite. Uh, the season pass I think has like a hundred levels that you can level up just by playing the game and like doing some challenges. But by level sixty, you will have enough. Uh, I, I forgot what V bucks for the next season. Yeah, V bucks. Uh, I still haven't gotten to that point with with Rocket League, so I don't know how long it'll be until I earn enough enough currency for the next season's season pass. But so far, like all the deco- the decals are really cool, the cars are really cool, and what a lot of these passes do is that they they kind of front load the the first five five or so levels with enough stuff mm-hmm. just to convince you, like, oh, this stuff is worth ten dollars, and I'm guessing that. Uh, developers are really hoping that you don't get all the way to level 100. Right, Ro- right. Rocket League's battle pass goes up to 90. Oh, and something mm-hmm. something weird. Uh, all all these battle passes, season passes, all these we'll just use passes for shorthand. Um, they they pretty much will show you everything that you can get. Rocket League does something that I haven't seen in other games, where after level 70, it does not show you uh, what you can earn. Which I think is I wonder, really weird. I wonder mm. if that's some of a legacy thing. So Rocket League used to do loot boxes and everything, right? And then Psionics got bought by Epic, who makes Fortnite. And then they in- implemented basically Fortnite's Battle Pass into Rocket League as Rocket Pass, right? Like that's kind of how we got to this point. So I wonder if Psionics was like, oh, but we do like the randomization element. And they're trying to like cling to a little bit of that. But only at the point where the money doesn't matter anymore, right. and only to the players that would be okay with it. And that might be why at like level seventy, like right at the cusp of the end of the pass, basically, is when they start doing it. It's like a little homage to their old structure without the downsides of it. I guess that's the only thing I can think of, right? Right, and and honestly, it's gonna work because I'm really curious to see what's past level seventy. So I'm gonna grind. Ooh, damn, I'm gonna grind down for to whether. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, it doesn't disappoint because I feel like this just brings up expectations a little more. That's well, true. It could be. That's true. It would. But yeah. I mean, if well, you've been playing the game, you already know what. I mean, it could only be so many things. So it could be a hat for your car, a car design, a decal. What what's left? Yeah. Right. Uh, Ex- explosion animations. But oh yeah, explosion animation. Damn, the one you had was awesome. I mean, like I kind of just fell in love with the T Rex one and just didn't even bother to look at anything else. Mm-hmm. And I re- yeah, I kind of realized that there's so many really cool looking ones. Yeah, there's some there's some really cool ones that that you'll see online that you're not able to get anymore. What what Rocket League still does is is you level up your individual level uh, separate from the battle pass level, and you'll get some stuff. Uh, blueprints, hmm. which I have no I had no idea what they are, but essentially they're they're more more uh, cosmetic stuff such as explosions, trails. Uh, what have you tires oh yeah trails that you can use the the currency to create which still adds some like randomness factor to it and you could trade them with other players oh that's cool very few games let you do that i feel like i mean i guess like hearthstone does but a lot of the free plays you get what you get yeah i mean the only reason that they let you do that is because you still have to purchase to unlock it Mm-hmm. So there's still some randomness attributed to it, 
So how does how does grinding work in a game like Rocket League where it's basically soccer? Like how is it just you just have to keep winning matches? Uh not necessarily. So so Oh, and also important to note, if you don't buy the Rocket Pass, the season pass, if you don't buy the pass, it mm-hmm. will still level up and then once you buy it, you will retroactively collect all the items that you have unlocked. Up that, that level. is really smart to get new people in right so like that's incredibly smart good on good on psionics now. yeah that's really um, smart but, but what rocket league does is it gives you challenges just like any other any other pass it gives you mm-hmm. uh the season challenges and then the premium challenges which aren't necessarily harder than uh let's say the uh the regular the regular challenges and so far this is i think week eight or week seven of the of season of season mm-hmm. six, so they started off pretty simple. You know, score a goal, uh, win an MVP, stuff like that. I'm starting to get to some of the challenges that are maybe a little bit more grindy, like play 42 matches of online, uh, get 50 goals uh, once you unlock the challenge, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, I believe I just hit level 60. So ten more levels, and I get the the last vehicle, the Ronin G one. Right, I, I believe that's what it's called. I got the final vehicle, and then I'm um, in uncharted territory, pass pass a uh, level sixty nine. So nice. I've got that to look forward to, and I yeah nice. And by, <laughs> and, by, and by then hopefully I'll have enough currency to buy next season's pass, assuming I want to, assuming the uh, the theme is 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 there, which I think they with season five is when they started doing these themes because i i was, mm-hmm. I was looking it up and i couldn't see a theme for season one two three four so i guess it, i guess i figured they have to start differentiating in some way or getting people that did season one two three four to want to keep going mm-hmm. besides just random arbitrary things slapped together yeah and i i feel like the season pass model is is way better than the random loot box model that they used to yeah. have going i it it is also making you much better. I mean, we all played, like, all three of us played on Wednesday night, and yeah, I, you definitely have been playing. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm horrible I, at it, but you've definitely been playing. <laughs> no, I, don't don't get me wrong. I'm terrible, too, especially going up Not against... Not compared some, to me. Uh, especially Not going up to against... Angel. <laughs> especially going up against some of these uh, some of these online players that it's like, man, you're such a try-hard. Just, like, watching people do these flips and stuff like that, but... but it's more me being jealous of how good they are <laughs> to the yeah. point where I was like, cause I, I never did the tutorial back when it came out. So I was like, Oh, let me try the tutorial. And the difficulty in the tutorial is it's like either way too easy or way too difficult. But <laughs> luckily I think you can find some custom made like tutorials that will help you get better. So I'll probably be checking those out uh, soon just so that, just so that I, I get, I quote unquote get good at the uh, at the game. Yeah, because uh, none of us that um, ever really even try to do any kind of flying. Because I remember doing the tutorial a long time ago, or at least like the the blocking tutorial where they just like shoot the ball from various locations, then you just have to block it like a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And I got pretty far up until the point where you essentially have to fly pretty much like ridiculously high up. And there was just a point where I just couldn't get it. It's like you had to like angle the card just right just to block it, and it was just yeah, it was frustrating. But is there yeah. a challenge? Those replays though. That you 
the oh, the replays are great. Oh no, is yeah. There ch- is there a challenge for um, my expertise, which is unintentionally hitting my teammate at the exact moment they cannot possibly get hit because they need to score a goal? No, because I did that like a dozen times. On one oh side. yeah, I, I have I have the, I have the recordings of of Nigel yelling at you. Oh yeah, no, and and the thing is, like, I wasn't I even like, you were like, he wasn't in my view, he wasn't in my field of vision, but he'd be like behind me or something. I like cut in front of him and not realize it, and then bonk into him on the side or something. I did read up the but, the game is programmed to uninstall your game if you did it like ten more times. Oh really? It actually can take control of my switch and delete itself. Yeah, it would say like, nope, we can't have this toxic player playing. Oh, I'm yeah, toxic man. now. You're like, that sounds like a challenge toxic. unlocked. If I get deemed toxic, I feel like I unlock some sort of achievement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't they have? T- isn't titles one of the things they have in Rocket League? Maybe I'm thinking of a different game because toxic could be a title, and then it just boots me off. The yeah, titles. Titles. Yeah, you yeah. can unlock titles. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, and we were discussing this. We don't. I don't know why they don't give you the option to customize the ball. Mm, because yeah, I feel that's like that's a, that's such an easy uh, cosmetic I'm, that you can do. Even the little tracker. Uh, I, I mean, that I shows guess, you wearing the oh, like the reticle. Yeah, the reticle. Yeah, I could definitely. I mean, if you could customize it, I guess it would have to go to. I mean, if you're playing with friends, it would have to go with whoever hosts it, unless it just randomly picks. I guess the ball from everyone random. that's playing. Kind of like, oh yeah, I never thought about that. It'd be difficult to have like six for. Well, I don't know if it'd be difficult, but I would assume it yeah. would be for having like three v three, having everybody's individual games show their own ball. I guess that kind of makes sense. You could do that. That's definitely possible, though, because I know, like, games like Street Fighter, I think it was Street Fighter 5 or 4, but, like, if you didn't have the DLC costume, like, you were just fighting a normal-looking Ryu, but on their end, they were playing as their, you know, their alternate skin. Oh, okay. So so maybe it's possible. So the tech is there, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing some people... Maybe I'm sure there's some ball that would look really, really cool, but would be very impractical to actually play as because they might be too distracting. Oh, speaking of that, uh, right now there, I, I think this weekend there's a limited time game mode called uh, called Beach Ball, where you're in the, uh, in like a really cool arena. The the floor is all sandy. It looks it's nice and bright, and the ball is an actual beach ball with beach ball physics. <laughs> so that sounds kind of fun. Yeah, we should try that. Later. It already kind of has beach ball physics. More so. No, more so. <laughs> like, like, this thing will curve, and oh. it's so annoying. Yeah. And, wow. Like, just a little tap will send it flying. Yeah, we, oh, we, like, fast acceleration, but then... We should oh, try it. True. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, going back to the ball customization, they should... You know, it'd be a cool one for the Switch, like the way they have Mario and Luigi cars Kirby. and Samus cars. Yup, Kirby. And then Epic can even ball. go one step... Or a Morph Ball. But if they do Kirby, they can then put in all the versions and have PlayStation and Xbox have to censor him out. Did you hear about that with Fortnite? Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, so they made a trailer for Fortnite's Party Royale mode, I guess, which is the new, like, non-combative section of Fortnite, and they're going to do concerts in there. Like, they had Steve Aoki and Dead Mouse and uh, Dylan Francis, and in the Sizzle Reel trailer for it, one of the visuals from one of the DJs had a dancing Kirby. So Nintendo left dancing Kirby in in the Switch version of the trailer, but Xbox and PlayStation is just a pink blur. They actually, mm-hmm. like, manually, like, white them out like they do with logos on shirts when they're unauthorized and stuff like that. I just thought that's kind of funny that, one, Kirby got in there, and two, Epic's like, oh, wait. The other guys aren't going to like this and actually had to, like, white him out, essentially. But, Damn. yeah. I forgot that part anyway, it came out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. It. I don't know. It's very much it's very much in line with what they want to do with their whole, like, metaverse idea where they want to just – basically, they want to do what Second Life tried to be, but they actually can't because they now have 350 million players worldwide. So 
Yeah, not concurrent, of course, but um, you know, up to 350 million people have checked the game out. So like that, that even counts me, who has played it like twice ever. So, but still, it's a lot of people. So I think if anyone can do a Second Life like Virtual World, like PlayStation Home was trying to be, or Second Life was trying to be, it's probably gonna be Fortnite. Mm, I think that might be a reach considering what you can do in Fortnite. But well, that's the thing though is this I think party mode that is supposed to be them. Yeah. Well, yeah, the whole this whole new Party Royale mode is remember just PlayStation Home. World. That was funny. Yeah. I, didn't I just say PlayStation Home? <laughs> no, I do remember PlayStation. Oh, you're talking like you're, you're talking like a mile a minute. I could barely understand you. Oh, uh, I always do. Me and Angel's <laughs> brother had an idea of doing like a spin-off podcast for random Nintendo, and <laughs> you know how like how your avatars are your Mies. We're yeah. these are PlayStation Home avatars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I imagine the podcast would be ta- spoken at a much more normal rate than my mile yeah, a minute. Probably. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I can see Fortnite turning Party Royale into a real thing. They just need basically a in-game interaction thing besides, you know, a chat box, like some sort of – they have emotes, I guess. But they need some sort of like – like PlayStation Home like almost like ways to – almost like The Sims have your characters do stuff together versus add each other. So that might be the missing piece. I don't know. Hmm. But if you do check it out, let us know what you think, Kevin, since you are more of our Fortnite guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rocket Rocket League. I like how they're changing it. That sounds promising. It's um, it certainly sounds more like the right way to do a free to play game than uh, the other free to play on Switch that involves cards, which is what I've been playing, which is Asphalt Nine uh, Legends. Excuse me, Asphalt Nine Legends. I just um, gave up on that game. I just deleted it. Yeah. So well, but here's the thing: it's like there's really like not that there's anything have... wrong with it, but it's just like it, yeah. It, well, that's not the time passed. The time passed. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things that, like, there's two halves to the conversation about Asphalt 9, I feel like. Like, with, even with Rocket League, you know, you're talking about how you buy the pass and there's challenges that level you up, and it's, like, they're very interconnected. But uh, Asphalt, like, there's the game itself, and then there's the monetization schemes that Gameloft kind of, like, stacked on top of it. And if you're talking about the game itself, it is actually really fun. Like, I might have that. You guys may recall... I guess it was back when I demoed it during E3 last year that I was saying here on the show that I really, really liked the DSi version of Asphalt, of all things. I believe it was the fourth one in the series, maybe. And I really liked it because it was like this super arcade racing game, the exact type of arcade racer I like. And as racing games have evolved, it looks like Asphalt's kind of been right there with it and keeps wearing its inspiration on its sleeve. So at the end of the day, what you're looking at here is like the slick style of a Need for Speed game, like the trick moves and ramps of a game like Cruisin' or Rush, uh, the dramatic cuts to crashes of a burnout game, and even the club system where you can actually go join races in groups and chat with fellow members throughout like the game interface and earn upgrades together. Even that's here, and that's from something you know like Drive Club, which I don't even think it's supported anymore. So they have all these different ideas from all these different games and kind of threw them in a blender, and out came this fun, albeit not exactly original, racing game of its own in Asphalt 9. And it is legitimately fun. Like, the, the races are fast and pretty fluid. The, um, they have branching paths and shortcuts to take. There are jumps to hit and tricks to land. And you can whack other cars with this 360 move. Um, and uh, the key thing through all this is, like any good arcade racer, it's about maintaining and utilizing your nitro. Uh, so for any amount of air you get, any trick you do while in the air, anytime you knock an opponent with one of those 360 spins, you fill up your nitro meter. And you can also run over nitro cans and collect, uh, you know, nitro that way. And more often than not, it's really about utilizing those nitros at exactly the right time, knowing when to do a small boost, when to let it build and do like the super duper ultra nitro or whatever they call it. 
and that can make the difference in a lot of races between winning and losing. So that's pretty fun, and because the, the tracks all have different paths and everything, there's already you know some fun to be had just in replaying them because you can make sure there's different routes to go, never do the same thing twice. Um, and it is nice that you know uh, all these ideas are together in this game and they do mesh pretty well. And they give you, much like with the gameplay where it's all these different things combined, they give you so many control options to do it too. Like there's motion controls. Uh, they have what they call touch drive, which is straight out of the mobile version where all you do is tap left and right when you go, I'll go left and right. and Or sorry, you slide left and right, and then you tap to do nitro. Um, I mean, if you're playing it on Switch, it's probably best to use the tried, like the tried and true buttons and sticks. That's what I was doing. Um, like if I wanted to play this I'd, with motion or uh, touch, I'd use the phone version. Uh, and playing on Switch, you know, makes it feel more like an actual normal racing game. Plus, playing on Switch means you get a few exclusive things. There's a red and blue Joy-Con color schemed uh, BMW you get, which is nice, but whatever. The, the big one is there's the inclusion of an actual local multiplayer mode. Supports up to four people. Does not require any of the free-to-play play mechan- free mechanics to work. It's just there. And likewise, credit where it's due, Gameloft also um, does not require a Switch Online subscription to do any of the online play in the game, like the clubs or whatever, because again, free-to-play is the, the name of the game here, so they'd rather you just pay that way and they swallow the cost of online. So that's the game, but then the other half of it is the free-to-play mechanics, and that's where it's interesting to see how it contrasts with what sounds like the much more um, successful Rocket League, because the way the game is structured here is that... that is you you spend the most of uh, the most of your time in career mode, which is divided into individual seasons. They each contain five to ten races, from what I can tell, and there are a ton of seasons. Uh, I scrolled through the grid, and it's like dozens upon dozens of seasons. So, like content-wise, there's actually a fair amount of gameplay to be had. And within each season, the races, you know, they're they're different structures. Some are full-on multi-lap competitions. Some are shorter drag races. Um, and when I say shorter, I mean like less than a minute, like really short. Some are time trials, um, and playing any of them uses up what they call your gas. You have a little gas canister, and every car in your collection has its own gas canister count, essentially acting as like the energy meter that you see in a bunch of other free-to-play games. And you can re- refill your gas when it runs out, but that either requires waiting a set amount of time or paying to speed it up. What's interesting here, or what I thought was kind of interesting, is they sort of throw you a bone because the gas mirror is by car. So you can theoretically just switch to another car and try a race with that one instead. However, in comes monetization scheme number two when you do that, which are the upgrades. Yeah, there's three of them. So uh, monetization scheme number two here is the upgrades where cars are all given a score um, that kind of serves as a barometer of whether the car will be a good fit for a given race, kind of like how Mario Kart Tour does it. So each race, in turn, has a recommended uh, minimum score that you should make sure your car matches, kind of like how Mario Kart Tour, you know, there's certain racers that perform better on certain tracks, so you kind of need to have like a diversified set of racers. Here, if you want to jump between cars, you need to make sure all your cars are upgraded. And to get your car score up, you have to buy upgrades for the car using in-game gold coins. And should you run out of those gold coins, you get to spend real money to buy them, or you have to wait to upgrade till some other time. So even with the freedom to switch between cars, unless you decide to you know upgrade them all in tandem and keep rotating, it's kind of a misnomer that you can switch between cars because you're still going to be waiting or still going to be spending real money, which then brings us to monetization scheme number three, which is how you get the cars. Um, so instead of just giving you cars, the game also uses the term blueprints, like Rocket League, which is kind of funny. But in this case, you have to collect these sets of blueprints 
Uh, some of which are given to you when you win races or clear seasons. Others are loot boxed essentially in the form of card booster packs. So some of these booster packs are given to you for free. Uh, some are laid out along like the grid of races you choose from in the career mode as you go season to season. And and credit where it's due to that grid, like Game Off doesn't make it a linear grid. You, if you are stuck on a race and you don't want to waste your gas, you can go around it and do a different one instead, which is kind of nice. But uh, either way, like you still have to deal with these booster packs because other packs need to be bought using a whole different type of game currency than what we've been talking about. It has to use tokens, and you earn these tokens by completing specific objectives within the races, such as you know there's daily goals the game rotates between, or there's certain ongoing milestones like drifting a certain number of yards or completing a certain number of stunts or that sort of thing and if you can't do those you of course can just buy them as well uh they do occasionally give you a free booster pack it's like i think every four hours they give you a pack from the classic car pack which is you know the lamer cars like if you want the cool high-end ones uh, you need to spring for the yellow booster packs and they do occasionally let you outright buy a car i think they have one a day using a combo of gold coins and tokens but obviously they're priced rather high, and I'd rather save my money for my upgrades and do it that way and not use real money. So so basically, if you couldn't tell from Stardust, Asphalt 9 is a mobile game in every sense of the word in terms of its monetization uh, schemes. And if you want to play it as more of a traditional console game for a longer play ses- session, um, it certainly drags you down unless you're playing pay money because you know, you're going to hit a wall sooner or later. And in the beginning, it's pretty loose and gives you a lot of time but as you get further in game it starts cracking down more and more and yeah they they want your money i mean one of the bigger token packs you can buy is a hundred dollars or well technically 99 dollars like they're not even being subtle about it but if you're looking for like short bursts of gameplay a day or like little races here and there it's really not that overbearing i mean granted it can be annoying when the drag races are less than a minute and that uses the same one gas canister as a good three lap race and it feels kind of cheap when they do that but like for the most part i'm having fun with it um if I hit the paywalls, I tend to just switch games or just call it, and that's it. Uh, whether that gels with how other people or how you guys may want to play, you know, obviously that's a personal preference. But for me, like the arcadiness of the races is keeping me coming back, and I'm having a good enough time. But it is definitely, in contrast to Rocket League, like the epitome of everything wrong with free-to-play games in terms of its structure. All but right, there's a ton of content you should Fortnite, you put the right? money in. What you mean Fortnite? Fortnite and Rocket League. Oh, okay, because they're you know they both have the pass. Well, um, yeah, but but uh, Rocket League isn't free to play. Oh, that's right. It costs money. You're mm-hmm. right. Yes, so Fortnite. We'll go with Fortnite. I was thinking just the pass system in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess Fortnite would be the better comparison, yeah. But it's uh, – it's, so it's just, it's just interesting to see, like, the pass system in whatever game it may be compared to this sort of paywall as you go sort of thing. How does the game yeah. perform? It's mostly okay. So in handheld mode, uh, it, 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 the frame rate kind of dips every so often. In docked mode, less so. Um, I've noticed some, like, it gets a little crazy. So when you do the crashes, I was mentioning they're kind of burnout-like. You know, they do, like, the dramatic camera angle. Uh, some of the particle effects that they threw in probably slowed down the frame rate more than it needs to. Like, you can see it kind of stutter every so often. But for the most part, it's pretty fast and furious. Not really furious. Oh, I don't know why I God. said that. <laughs> you could tell I was even hesitating as I was saying it. Like, no, don't do it, Jason. And then my mouth just did it anyway. But, um, yeah, no, it's pretty... It's 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 fine. It's nothing that... There's no show-stopping, like, bad frame rate or anything, at least from what I've experienced. Well, look, thankfully, we have a... We have Burnout Paradise coming out soon to... Yes, indeed. To get our, to get our fill. Indeed. That's $50, But this right? one... 
Uh, yes, it'll be 50, and it's out June 23rd or 18th or something like that. Ooh, so, but yeah, th- this one's cool if you just want, like, a, even more arcade and burnout and just, like, little short bursts of it, essentially. But it's definitely – just be beware. It's definitely a free-to-play game. Um, it's actually one of two games of cars I've been playing. I'll really quick just say the other one. It shouldn't take too long here, but just because well, they sh- – Well, yeah? actually, I guess it doesn't yeah? matter. No, I was going to say, like – um, I guess it's really quickly just because we were talking all about like all these different passes. I just thought it was kind oh, yeah, of yeah, a coincidence that um, another game that I know I've brought up many times that I've been playing, um, Brawl Stars, they just mm, yesterday, mm-hmm. actually today, announced that they're going to be doing a pass system. How and, do you feel about that? Well, at first I was like, no, why are they doing a pass system? Because it's definitely one of the most generous free-to-play games I've ever played. Kind of like, mm-hmm. like, definitely more so than Hearthstone, and I think Hearthstone's okay. Um, but this one... It's kind of interesting. It's like actually re- really cool. Like essentially, if you buy the pass, we still don't know how much the pass is. Um, anything you could get in the pass, you can still get without the pass. So all the pass really does is just guarantee that you're going to get these things at certain markers. So but it's like if a subs- you, yeah, so, yeah, Sorry. I guess it's it, yeah, because like, like, subscription. But if you don't have the pass, then essentially it's like nothing really changed. Like there are some characters that will be legendary. So that means you have to, like, the odds of getting them in a loot box is, like, really, really low. But, I mean, that's already how you get most of the characters. But if you get the battle pass, then you're guaranteed to get them when you reach, I guess, that point in the battle pass. And that's pretty much how, like, it's all treated. Which, uh, on one hand, it's kind of cool, but also just kind of weird. But See, like, on some level, I almost wish that's what Gameloft would do with Asphalt. Like, the game apparently on Switch has, like, 5 million players, and it's a huge yeah. franchise for Because I don't feel like I'm going to do it. Yeah, I just like both. Because, like, on one hand, it's like I play the game so much, and I like the game a lot that I was like, oh, I, I kind of feel like supporting them, and this feels kind of nice. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I don't. if I don't want to get the pass, I don't feel like I'm missing out or I'm like, it's like, oh, okay, I could still get everything. It's not that big of a loss. So I feel like it kind of right. hits and that nice like... balance right there. I feel like, like I just I kind of now that I think about it I would be I didn't even consider like what if they try and convert it but when you mentioned Brawl Stars it like if Asphalt did it the structure's already there they have a career mode divided into seasons with races they could just pivot those seasons a little and make them into things where you know you have a certain number of seasons per pass and everything you unlock within that season you get guaranteed as part of the purchase or you can buy individually or through in-game currency if you prefer not like it could totally work and it would probably get rid of a lot of the hindrances of why people may be hesitant to play something like asphalt although granted as kevin said burnout which is overall a much more ambitious and bigger and probably better i'd say game uh is you know only a month away from that from us now but still though it seems like that would be interesting if they did that or if all sorts of free-to-play games start moving away from loot boxes and towards like some sort of dual approach like that all right so i guess about the other game with, with oh yeah namesake. yeah so yes it is actually my namesake kind of but yeah so i was playing another game that's also about cars but uh it funny enough it uses like the it's very similar to asphalt it's wrecked r-e-k-t and um it's similar in a lot of ways i mean they both not really but they they both use the (laughs) zr and zl but which is it (laughs) no it's uh they have the exact same gas and brake pedal controls but no uh structurally they're actually more (laughs) similar than it seems i'm kidding yep no some are a and b these are zr zl i feel like most traditional racing games use zr zl i think only like party racers like mario kart use a oh yeah yeah totally but yeah my my shoulder buttons are getting a lot of mileage these days but uh the structurally they're actually kind of more similar too because they both give you objectives that you earn coins off of to unlock stuff but in rex case you're paying one flat price up front and the coins are solely in game and that's that 
Uh, and where they also differ is what they pay tribute to. Like if all if Asphalt is like the mix and match of racing game mechanics from every single franchise in the last decade, Wrecked is a and a uh, homage to the excellent and very specific stunt mode from Rush Two back on the N sixty four with maybe a little dabbling of Tony Hawk in there. Um, did you guys ever actually play Rush Two or the stunt mode in Rush Two? Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Nope. Okay, so when I was a kid, I really, really loved this mode. Um, basically, like really loved it. Basically, the game just dumps you in a giant room full of ramps and loops and these weird little square bumps on the ground that would launch you sideways. And this is Rush I'm talking about. And you have a uh, set amount of time to try and pull off the biggest tricks you could by launching off any of these surfaces and spinning your car around like a madman. Uh, the catch is that you always have to land on your wheels or else you'd start physically damaging your car to the point that it could actually explode. Makes sense. And for an, is, what? And I said makes sense. Yeah, it does. And for an N64 game, like that damage they showed, actually like fair amount of detail, like the damage animations, the angles, the way you could like dent the car, pretty elaborate. But basically um, when time ran out, you got your score and that was that. And as a kid, like I never actually owned Rush 2. I just rented it all the time. I don't know why I never bought it, but I would rent it and just only ever play stunt mode. Like, it, the game is known as a racing game. I was in this little side mode, and that's all I ever did. It almost felt like this weird little secret only I knew about because, like, none of my friends ever played Rush or knew about it. You guys never played the stunt mode. Nintendo Power never really covered it during the time I, I was subscribing to them. Like, it was just kind of this thing that was, like, hidden away. And now fast forward 18 years or so, and, like, imagine my pleasant surprise when I see that this little indie studio called, uh, Little Chicken Game Company made what amounts to a modern-day version of the stunt mode from Rush as an independent release called Wrecked. And, I mean, this is, like, a send-up through and through. The art style has a similar, albeit a bit, you know, refined in HD, uh, like, Tron aesthetic with a hint of blockiness. Um, although now it's kind of cool is as you do stunts and build combos, like, the, the, the whole level will change color to indicate the, like, chain of the combo times two times three. Um, the physics in Wrecked are, like, exactly how I remember them from Rush. I don't know if they actually are or how much that's nostalgia, but it felt like exactly the same. The music's about as equally techno, um, although now they have in Wrecked uh, this voiceover that kind of sounds like the generic cartoon voice of like a Satan character, like sort of like the South Park Satan, like that kind of, you know, where they run the vo- the voice through like a lowered processor and then like double it kind of. It's literally exactly the same as that. It's kind of weird. But beyond that, like even the ramps and the placements of the objects in the course, they just feel so much like Rush. And... It's cool because they just took that and then they kind of modernized it and expanded on it in some noble ways. Um, it takes a bit of a cue from Tony Hawk, so it lets you use the right stick to influence the tricks you perform depending on which way you hit it. Uh, it introduces different activities within the stunt course itself, so it's not just about going up ramps and stuff. You can now drive through checkpoints within a time limit or they drop a ball in there and you have that to interact with. And at that point, it almost feels like Rocket League actually because the physics are kind of that same sort of looseness. Yeah, I'm looking um, at, a, at a gameplay trailer right now. Yeah, it yeah it's kind of Rocket League without Rocket League vibes. Yeah, and, and they even um, – what's kind of cool is they even expanded the courses. So in the trailer, they show one uh, stunt course, and in Rush 2, there's one stunt course. But you can actually unlock more elaborate structures that have layers to them and stuff as you as you go through the game, uh, which actually brings me to the other big addition over what Rush had, which this game actually has some structure in the form of objectives. So at the start of each run, the game's going to give you three objectives to clear. I think they're chosen at random. And if you do so, you earn tokens, and those tokens can be used to purchase the additional courses. And then separate from that, for every stunt you do, you earn points, and you have a point meter to unlock new cars. And every time that meter is filled up with points, um, 
you get one of, I believe, 50 different vehicles, and each vehicle has its own handling, usually some sort of weird pop culture reference thrown in. Like one of the early ones is um, this very heavy A-team style van called the B-team van. It's like they're, you know, kind of little like gag nod things pop culture, but there's a ton of different vehicles. Um, and then they let you just run around and do stunts in one of three different modes. There's a score attack mode, which is, you know, the, the meat of it. There's a free play mode with no real limits, which is in a way closer to what Rush was. They had a time limit, but it was kind of just you do whatever you want, and that's that. They didn't quite have the structure of, like, the um, score attacks, objectives, and whatnot. And then, kind of interestingly, they have, uh, and I always say interestingly because it's only on the Switch version as far as I'm aware, a multiplayer mode that actually has three modes within it. You can do a capture the crown where you're basically trying to hunt down one person. There's a tag mode called Virus, where you're trying to hit everyone and infect them. A little weird time timing-wise. Uh, and there's a rally race mode of sorts called Baja that you're just doing laps within this weird, you know, the weird physics of the game. But that's pretty much it. Like, it's a simple concept that's really just a major homage to a Rush 2 stunt mode. But then they did manage to flush it out into a pretty full-fledged game in a way and give it, like, a fresh coat of paint and everything. And normally the, go the game goes for uh, $5.99, and you could argue that unless you're like me and have this weird rush nostalgia, it may get a little repetitive at that price. You're just doing the same, driving around, doing tricks, and that's it. But until May 27th, it turns out it's only 99 cents. And it is, I would say, absolutely worth the price of admission at that point, if not double or triple that price, which, you know, I'm still at most talking $3 here. But you know you know what I mean. Like, it's, it's for 99 cents, there's a good amount of content in here. And again, there is some nostalgia talking here. I keep comparing it to this game that no one else has played, but... Those developers knew what they were doing when they when they uh, did the send up, and it, it nails it. So at least on that level, I am very much enjoying it. So those are those are two games I've uh, been playing primarily: uh, Asphalt and Wrecked. Angel, nice. I thought you were playing. I thought you were playing Chicken Wiggle. I guess you were dreaming of playing it on Switch. Supposed <laughs> to actually no, playing it. You just misunderstood what I said. I guess. I, I guess. Just said, so. I just said I had some thoughts about it. I about it. Oh, I totally misunderstood that. But it's no longer Chicken Wiggle. That's the thing. Yeah, no, they renamed it. Tales. Yeah, yeah. They want that um, Disney money, I guess. So apparently, um, did you did you read the blog post from Atui about why they changed the name? I did, and it, it's like it makes all sense. Right, make up your mind, but yeah, I mean, it, well, it seems like they're pivoting it. Well, yeah, it make. I, well, I mean, the game was supposed to come out. I don't even know when, like two years ago, mm -hmm. like like way. It was supposed to be close to like a launch title for the Switch. And then they took too long, and then they announced Mario Maker, and it's like, oh, that's pretty much what we were going to do. But they were supposed yeah. to have that out before Mario Maker so that they could kind of nail that creator market. But now that Mario Maker's out, and it's now, like, at its, at its most at its most impressive, mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's kind of hard to justify it existing. So it makes sense to kind of pivot it to focus more on the single-player aspect of it. And it's not, it's not just Mario Maker. It's also on the indie side. They already have an indie level building game that came out last week called Levelhead, which Nintendo has been promoting pretty heavily through their Indie World Twitter, which it's literally Mario Maker, but they're having – it's all indies, and other indie developers are making levels within yeah, it. I've never heard of the whole it. community. Yeah, it's it's they're trying to pump it up right now. So there's that one, and then there's Super Mash, which is instead of levels, it's game styles that are being uh, mixed and matched. Yeah, that one. And I that comes like... out next week. So they're, I, in terms of – even though they're not all the same, the idea of like, oh, we're going to have – chicken wiggle workshop and you build levels and it's gonna be great it's gonna be unique there are three games that in the last four weeks have been in a news cycle that do the exact same thing so i can mm -hmm. see why at least on surface level so i can see why they are doing the rebrand 
But what, how, I mean, how you feel about that as someone who bought into know. it, presumably because I mean, at this work. point, like, I don't really care what they do with the game just yeah. because it's been so long, but like, because I don't really want to, it just feels too late to get into Mario Maker at this point. Um, it is nice knowing that that game is still coming down the pipeline at some point. And, you know, since I'll get it when it comes out, I will be very much motivated to create levels in it and I'll just go all out on that one. Because, I mean, it doesn't sound like they're scaling anything back. They're just adding more and more to it. They're adding and, more single player, right? Like campaign And, and considering, like, how long the project's been going for, and, I mean, you could, in some of his posts, you could see how, like, frustrated or annoyed he was getting. I mean, you know, people were getting impatient. I mean, some people have to realize that Kickstarter isn't a pre-order. It's more of a, you're helping someone create something, however long that takes. Like, do mm-hmm. they change? I don't think I've ever had... The only Kickstarters I've ever had that were on time or deliver their product on time were the ones that didn't really need the Kickstarter. It was more of a way to just gauge interest. Like pretty much 101. <laughs> yeah, like that or like anything I got from IDW, anything I got from Standard Happiness. I know like all of like the stuff that Ed McMillan, Ed McMillan posts up like Tapeworm and the Binding of Isaac game. Like he has, he said he has the funding for them. He just doesn't know how much they're going to sell. So he'll sell them at the price, if not cheaper, on Kickstarter to gauge how much people want it. And then, you know, they're probably out, like, within, like, two or three months, which is usually the turnaround time. But, right, yeah, I just want... I'm not, I, I'm actually looking more forward to this game now just because I am itching for a creator-style game, but the nature of the game is also very simplistic, so it's not something that's going to... It's not Little Big Planet, it's not Dreams, but it's also not Mario Maker either. It's, like, simpler than that. And I feel like mm-hmm. the limitations are kind of exciting because you know you're forced to get more creative with it. Yeah, yeah, that's what so that's what so many people were upset by when Twitter went from 140 to 280. Is it does weirdly stifle creativity, or so people thought. But it's true. The more limitations you have, like Vine, you know, when Vine was a thing with six seconds, everyone got real creative because you had to be really snappy with it. Versus like TikToks, 15 or 30 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but and, and I mean it should be good. Like a two E, that's that's um. I mean that's formerly Ragged Kid. They make great stuff. Mutant I mean, Muds was great. Yeah, Mutant Muds was good. Moon is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Zeno Knots. Well, I can't remember what it's yeah, called. Yeah, Zeno Knots. Yeah, Zeno Knots is fun. They, 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 They're they good, albeit stuff. small studio. Yeah, it's and that's shame, the other um, people need to keep It's a shame Colt County like... never happened, but oh yeah, you know. yeah. yeah Colt County looked really like interesting. I've... Yeah. Game it was using the same really cool, engine uh, as Outlast Vibes. That's was, it using this, was it using the same engine as Moon and uh, Dimension One and Two? Cold mm-hmm. Was it just Western themed? Probably not, because those were on the DS, and this was like a full console game. But oh, that's right, that's right. But, that was I mean, a lot for them to buy. Like that might be more. Oh yeah, he also made Dimension there. One and Two. Yeah, One and Two. Yeah, but yeah, because yeah. he a Tui is a Tui just Jules Watson or is it was there a Jules Watson person? and someone else. Like the person he branched off from. Um, right. With more the 3D side, that's why his projects are more now leaning more towards like, the 2D stuff, the sprite-based stuff. You know, it, it is kind of interesting if you think about the indie scene for Nintendo now compared to what it was in the 3DS and, I guess, Wii U days. There were, like, some go-to people on the Nintendo indie scene. You had a 2 or well, you had Joe Watson in whatever form he takes. You had Way Forward. You had uh, sort of Yacht Club Games. I mean, they're still around and big, but I feel like a lot of these other guys, like because there's so many bigger indie releases now, they're on Nintendo platforms and like you know Stardew Valley and all those things. I feel like like the all stars from back in the day that everyone's like, oh yeah, they're guaranteed to keep pumping out good stuff on these indie platforms and find or on these Nintendo fi- platforms and finding indie success. 
I feel like they're kind of getting swallowed up a little. Like, I don't think Atui has the same cachet among Nintendo fans it did five years ago, simply because there's way more people now. So there's a subset of people, but they don't, like, dominate the indie news cycle like they used to because there's so many other games. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer for someone like George Watson because he's been, you know, plugging away on Chicken Wiggle Workshop for years. <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, Levelhead comes in out of nowhere, like I was saying, or... Super Mash gets like Nintendo's attention and gets featured in a direct instead of hypothetically or an indie showcase instead of hypothetically Chicken Wiggle could have been. Like it's kind of a weird. Yeah, it's like you know you planted your flag first, but then you got completely overshadowed. Yeah, I will say though I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I feel like a third of the reason why I'm disappointed that Colt County didn't make it is because my track record with Kickstarter has been that every single one was a success, so that's like the only stain on my on my homepage, but. You, know, you can't <laughs> win them all. That does kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good bag average, all things considered. I think I have like maybe over ten things. My two things both oh, were. God, you were mighty number nine. I was mighty number nine. I was ukulele, and ukulele. It's a little empty feeling, but it does kind of feel like Banjo Kazooie. I'm actually more interested in Possible Layer than anything else. Now that that's out, I might have to check that out. There's a demo I want to download. Yeah, that game but, actually um, looks cool. I'm that looks really cool, and ukulele in itself conceptually was interesting in terms of they're going to do Banjo-Kazooie but they're going to kind of modernize it which they did but they kind of forgot to put things in the levels so it's oh, just like I lots of emptiness well even with forward with Genie Hero I forgot it back then but yeah the other one I did um, yes was my number nine hmm. which was what a hmm. roller coaster that was like and that was early in the Kickstarter days where it's like oh if it's good talent if it's being headed up by a guy that is responsible for like you know really good games you're guaranteed it's gonna be good you would think you'd be wrong it's nothing against Inafune or any of those guys I think it's just like you can have an idea and you can get money but you need to find the right development team for it like it really goes to show how crucial every single person on the development team really is and having like the right director and producer and the right like project managers and all that in place it's not just you know the creator's concept that you call it a day at least not anymore it used to be back in the day but now you need teams of like, you know, dozens of people. Yeah. Which is kind of why my number nine was a bummer. Because even when I tried at Comic Con, it was okay. But then the final one, just something was missing. I don't know. I think I have three things that have started successfully. Were su- what were they? Were any of those games or board games? Oh, uh, I'm, I think one, of the, one has to be a board game, right? Yeah, the Bloodborne board game that I saw had received. Uh, then the first gen. Uh, AirPods case didn't have wireless charging, so somebody made us a, a skin to to be able to do that, mm. and that actually did did work. And then uh, some really cool USB C Lightning uh, cables that I still haven't received, but it recently just got got all of its funding. So I think mm-hmm. I'll be releasing, I'll be receiving some of those soon. We'll make them nice. Are they like very organized friendly? Yes, yes. They literally just have magnets attached to them, oh. so that, and they're all they're almost like fidget toys too. Like, <laughs> that's that's funny. funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, unless you have any other thoughts about Chicken Wiggle, I guess we kind of yeah, we could wiggle on. Okay. Oh well, done. I was gonna say we kind of if we're gonna do puns like that, we kind of pump the brakes on our theme of uh, full throttle here. So I'm just going to force us back into being on brand. Um, it's a horrible transition, but I'm doing it. You know what's been accelerating lately? Nintendo's sales. <clears throat> <No! clears throat> 
<laughs> anyway. Oh, that sounded yeah. almost exactly like the Darth Vader now. <laughs> that really did. Kevin, how long have you been practicing that? <laughs> I could tell. Well done. Um, yeah, the big, the big story since last episode is that Nintendo as a company, for really the first time since our world turned upside down, has actually addressed how they're doing and what they're doing next collectively as a company, as Nintendo. And the good news is that they currently have a whole lot of momentum in their favor. Um, even beyond their own expectations, they have momentum in their favor. Without getting too much into the nitty green here, we're talking a fiscal year where their operating profit rose 41% from a year ago to the very high number of $3.3 billion. That, that's a lot. It's, it's uh, mostly due to Switch, not so much due to playing cards. Although, interestingly, and the reason I bring up playing cards, uh, apparently they now have a category they identify of playing cards, and it's they call it playing cards, but I think it also includes items sold at Nintendo Tokyo and all their merch that they sell directly. But this playing card category brought in $28 million. That's a lot of just licensed – not even licensed, just random tchotchkes, tchotchkes, whatever the word is. But anyway, the real money maker, of course, was the uh, Switch, which has now sold 52.48 million units in its lifetime. That is not just bigger than the GameCube or N64 ever were. But it is bigger than both of them combined ever were, and it's also now surpassed the Super Nintendo. Uh, in fact, it's two million more units than Nintendo mm-hmm. an- anticipated it being, meaning they sold twenty-one million units over just this past fiscal year of April first, twenty nineteen, to March thirty-first, twenty twenty, and they were projecting nineteen million. So um, that means when they're at twenty-one million, to give you a sense of scale here of like how rare this is, um, it was not just the biggest year ever for the Switch is the biggest year for any console in the past decade. The last time any video game system sold more than 20 million units in a year was the DS back in 2009 and 2010 at 27 million, and that, was, that wasn't even the peak of the DS. A year prior, was at 31 million. So Nintendo still has a little ways to go to top that, but it is the single most successful console in a single year in a decade. PS4 came close. I know you guys are PlayStation guys. Uh, 2016, it was at 20 million flat, but Switch is a million more. Um, and as much as I love to, you know, spout off all these random factoids like a Snapple bottle, uh, what's noteworthy here, in my opinion, is it demonstrates a historically strong amount of momentum that the Switch currently has. Momentum that Nintendo's planning to really leverage going forward. Like, all we're going to see is them ride this momentum because they literally have nothing else going on. They have straight up said, we are, we have nothing to say. So, uh, the biggest driver of that momentum is no doubt. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, we already knew it was Switch's fastest song release. At this point, it's a, like a bona fide phenomenon, probably. In the 11 days that were left in their fiscal year, they sold over 11 million copies. Or to word that differently, they were selling a million copies of Animal Crossing a day for 11 straight days. That's 95% of New Leaf's entire lifetime of sales in 11 straight days. And it has since gone on to sell 13.41 million copies, which means it is in six weeks flat the best-selling entry in Animal Crossing ever. So much so. I guess so, but so much so, it's doing so well that according to uh, a summary of the investor Q&A I saw, apparently Nintendo's president, Shintaro Furukawa, he was saying that the game has already matched the entire forecasted lifetime sales they expected the game to reach. And it did in six weeks. So everything else here is just icing on the cake for Nintendo. They already hit their, their goals forever for the game. And, you know, numbers are one thing, obviously, but seeing the impact on, like, the zeitgeist really feels like something else entirely. Because we reached the point where major, like, high-end fashion brands 
like Valentino and Mark Jacobs are not just putting their clothes in the game via QR codes, but are actively across their own individual social channels, you know, where they're like customers that aren't playing Animal Crossing are actually at, they're all now promoting Animal Crossing on their channels. And then like another tipping point where I was just like, wow, this is like the moment when I finally realized we're through the looking glass with like Animal Crossing's cultural impact, the Financial Times, a well-respected, traditional, economic-oriented newspaper on their homepage, on their, or on their front page of their published edition that goes to investors, had a legitimate story of, mm-hmm. and I quote, gamers hunt tarantulas after being caught by Animal Crossing rate cut. One of the biggest financial newspapers in the world did that on their homepage. Like, where, what is going on? Like, has there been any moment for you guys, even if you haven't played it in, like, Kevin's case, where just, like, Animal Crossing just surfacing in ways you wouldn't expect or, like, you were kind of taken aback to see it? Like, like another the... another game like this? Yeah, or, like, or just in general. Cause like, Minecraft, I, mean, I guess? Uh, Minecraft and Fortnite, like... Yeah. Maybe, maybe Grand Theft Auto Five. Did GTA Five have this? I mean, Minecraft and Fortnite, I can believe, but did GTA Five really reach this far? Like, yeah, GTA Five is like one of the 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 be- one of the best selling games of all time. That's like, true. That's considering true. And it's been on, selling well for like five straight years. Yeah, considering it's always in the, the at least the top ten of the MPD charts. Like, yeah, of course. Right, right, and I know Angel. There was one that caught your eye, even if you're forgetting it. You seem so amazed about that NFL video for the Lions the other day. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I was playing it up, but... I know, yeah. yeah. It was cool, though. Like, do, it, do you it, want to describe no, essentially yeah. I mean, what I mean, it was? I mean, that was cool. I mean, just the fact that an NFL team unironically used Animal Crossing as a way to announce their their season. But, yeah. Yeah, and it is, like, a really well-done video. We'll link to it in the blog post for anyone who's curious, but basically it was, like, a six-minute long thing, and every team was represented with some different visual gags. So they, like, took a giant teddy bear and buried it, and that was their game against the Chicago Bears, and, like, stuff like that. And it was... Yeah, it was uh, – someone put a lot of effort into that video. Granted, people have a lot of time because everything shut down. But I think for I think for me, the um, the one where I was like, okay, this is kind of nuts now. We're reaching some sort of a crazy inflection point was um, one of the highest profile politicians in the country, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, started exchanging dodo codes with her constituents on Twitter and visiting their islands. Like, that's just, just to think about, like, a game has reached a point where, like, literally one of the probably most well-known pe- politicians in the country at this moment is on her Twitter, like, wow, Animal Crossing so wholesome, you guys are great, I'm going to go to your town and sign your bulletin board, and et cetera, et cetera. And this one actually kind of personally affected me because I was so close to getting her my Dodo code. So my girlfriend's a big fan of AOC, and I saw this go up, and I was like, wait, I have an idea. You're talking what talking about if- a, va- a band or something. No, but well, no, because she's like she's she's our generation. Hold up, is this the first time that that Jason has brought up his girlfriend? Second time, you guys didn't catch the first one, I guess. Oh, that was a few episodes right. ago. Uh, this is going to become a thing now. Second no, time it's this not. episode. No, no. Second no, time? no, no. Second time the in the. There's been like a couple episodes in between where I didn't even mention. So, but no, so the reason bringing... does the fact that the girlfriend matter to the story, or can you just say you know a person? I guess I could have said a person, but then I, then I hear back from her. Then I hear back from her being like, "Why did? Why am I just a person?" We're, we're just I know, I know, I know. No, but anyway, um, she likes AOC, and I had an idea of like, wait, I'm what so if? I'm so lonely. But, 
I'm, I'm so sorry, Kevin. You know what's always an option? Put Animal Crossing in a Tinder profile and see what happens. That's a good point. I pitched it, I pitched it last episode. No one took me up on it. Uh, but um, yeah, so I saw the Dodo Code thing go up, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. This this is a good idea because I could have AOC come to my island, have her come to the island, and they'd be like, surprise, it's AOC, and it'd be like super weird and crazy. And I actually got far enough where I the advantage of working at home, I had to switch one room over. So I ran and got the switch. Got booted, got the Dodo code. This is a process that takes like four or five minutes if you think about it because all the dialogue really. Um, and then I had the DM ready to go. I had it typed. I hit send. And in that like 30-second window when I hit send, she closed her DMs. She only had them open for like four minutes. So I was that close to getting one of the biggest politicians in the country into my Animal Crossing island. But alas. Exciting um, stuff. Yeah, no, but it's just like like <laughs> the fact that – but my point is the fact that there's even that story to tell is insane. Like what game did that before or like you know something of that caliber? Or like there's – do you guys hear about the actual Animal Crossing late night show that exists now? Nope. Yeah, um, it's pretty lame. I, I, mean, I, 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 I watched it. I, I mean it's a cool idea it's and I mean obviously yeah. they're making – I mean it's creative and stuff but eh. – to, to fill people in who don't know what we're talking about, uh, so it's called Animal Talking, and the screenwriter Gary Witta, who is the writer of what I consider the excellent Rogue One and Book of Eli and a few other movies, um, every single night, every week, I'm not sure the frequency, but he hosts a late night show. They built a set in their house in the game. They have a monologue, special celebrity guests, a house band, musical performances, all of it, but it's inside Animal Crossing. And, yeah, I, I watched a couple, and it's all right. But conceptually, like, they're getting big people now. They have internet personalities like Greg Miller and I, Justine, joining it. They have directors like uh, Colin Trevo, Trevorrow of Jurassic World and Duncan Jones of Moon. AOC her, has expressed interest. Reggie has expressed interest. Like, it's whether, you know, regardless of what you think of the show itself, it's a no, thing. No, no, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like no, a legit thing, which is crazy. I am surprised Again, it's no one has done that before. But that's, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, and it's all these different things that like – all this is really just to say that if there's no real sign – basically there's no real sign at this point that Animal Crossing momentum slowing down. And you know that means that the Switch itself is going to be doing, for a while, uh, doing well for a while too if Nintendo doesn't do much else. I mean of course it's not going to be at like this peak level of crazy, but kind of like Pokemon Go I, sus- I suspect, which actually is another game that kind of had this weird cultural touchstone moment. But kind of like Pokemon Go, I, su- I expect that like – Animal Crossing is going to be steadily in the background for years, just churning out big numbers for Nintendo most likely. And that seems to kind of be Nintendo's own goal too because they were saying uh, – a recent interview with the game's director, she was saying that they designed uh, New Horizons to have a steady stream of content that will, in her words, keep player, uh, let players continue to find new surprises two to three years down the road, which A, means Animal Crossing is 100% good and Nintendo's might be a big evergreen title, no surprise there, but B – Really makes me wonder what that could be. Like, do you think they su- do you think they suspected huh. this to be as no. huge as it was? I don't think so at all. I mean, I you know I was saying before that Furukawa was saying um, Nintendo's mm-hmm. lifetime sales projection for Animal Crossing was met in six weeks, so it's definitely bigger. I, I oh yeah, good point. Yeah, no, but I was gonna say that I would. I don't think they expect it to blow up like this because if they're playing two or three years of content already, they're probably expecting a slower burn. I mean, the series, to give you perspective here... Um, I mean, considering how well the Switch was doing, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I felt like anyone could have seen that this game would have been, like, a huge Oh, it would have been big. It would have been big. The, they lucked out that they had the pandemic. As weird as that sounds to say. 
the game literally came out the week all the lockdowns and stay-at-homes began. They could not have timed it better themselves. And you could tell, not just that their sales projection, um, that's a translation, so I don't know how true, if that's verbatim what for a cause said, but one way you can really tell is the download versus physical purchase rate for Animal Crossing is about 50%. So about half the people that got the game got it digitally. That's probably the only way they had enough copies out there for people to buy. Like, I don't think Nintendo imagined they'd sell this many physical copies. So it's good that so many people are downloading it. But that 50%, Nintendo themselves, in their financial uh, briefing, they actually, for the first time, made a slide deck as well that actually has, like, key numbers and stuff, which is very convenient for me But because um, I like reading these things. But they were saying that dads have normally high for a digital download rate, and a lot of it's because, you know, a lot of people just – are at home and on a whim downloaded the game. So I don't think they, in their wildest dreams, thought it would be this big. I, I think you're right, Angel, that it would have been big. But, I mean, New uh, new Leaf on the 3DS topped out at about 12.5 million, and that was with a little boost from the Welcome Amiibo re-release a few years later. Yeah, but that, but that was also on the 3DS, though. I mean, like, that's yeah, not sold yeah. well, but it wasn't a Switch. No, it was not. It was not at all. Um, I'm So, yeah, it's 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 interesting in the sense of, Everything on Switch does well. It's that Switch bump, but it's interesting in the sense of uh, I mean, you know what is, it means. And this is also like forward. the most like approachable game as well, too. Yeah, and I really think that goes back to you know the stuff we've been saying in past episodes about how they structured it and all that. Is they really made it easier to get into if you've never played it. Like to go back to that AOC story, she was saying she hasn't played the game yet, and then she still you know got her dodo code went to people's eyes and they sort of walked her through all the mechanics like there's an interview in the washington post about it with the first family she visited and like yeah we like taught her how to like download the switch online app and then we like voice chatted and we exchanged fruit and explained how fruit worked and all this other stuff and it's you know it's really <laughs> easy to just pick up and go so it grows from trees and you eat it, it grows from trees you can either eat it or plant it if you plant it you get more of them but yeah it was uh yeah it, it's it's definitely been kind of a cool thing to watch because you know i always make the analogy of like it's kind of like watching – it's kind of like, like Nintendo's my sports team. So it's sort of like them winning a championship or something because it's, it's crazy the numbers. But I do wonder if they weren't anticipating it to this extent, which clearly they're not, um, what, what does their pipeline look like for the next two or three years? Because you know, a couple episodes ago – in terms of Animal Crossing content. Because a couple episodes ago we were talking about, oh, they need these missing characters back and they need features like ordinances. That would be cool. But then I tried the Mayday Island – and I, I'm kind of wondering just how outside the box I might go with DLC now. Like, Angel, you did you do the island? Yeah, I mean, didn't we talk about it last time? But mm-hmm. I guess it was it was pre-May. Oh well, I mean, I love the concept. I love that they, the game has the capability to create puzzles like that. It just kind of sucks that it sounds. It seems like we can't do that ourselves, mm-hmm. just because inherently, like they take away the ability to craft certain things and give them back to you for the sake of the of the island which is really cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i mean and we would just we'll have to find some other workaround but it was i feel like their announcement made it seem like it was going to be a little more but yeah it, it ended up being just like really short amount like, oh that's it it's like okay i guess that's cool so, i mean i was disappointed but i'm excited about the potential just because i mean even rover like i mean i don't really care too much about rover but yeah, everything else about it was like it got me excited for what they could do in the future if they actually want to go all out on a super like I don't know like maze that actually is gonna like bust some heads or something. To me, it almost felt like a proof of concept of 
not just the mazes, but how they can think of the mechanics of Animal Crossing in a different way. Because, like, you know, with a maze, you're right, this was a really small one. Um, but what they basically did is they made a very traditional video game experience inside a game that consciously bucks all those concepts. Like, yeah, because I don't think anyone special... really expected that. that, that was... No, and, yeah. and it's interesting because, like, what it was ultimately was a special level with a defined start and end. It had a set way to win. You had to utilize different mechanics you learned throughout the game to solve the puzzles. And it was all shallow, for sure, but it, Nintendo's willing to, like, you know, experiment with just that idea to go say hi to Rover again. Like, how far can they take it? Like, in the same way that we were saying, I don't know, a couple episodes ago about how Splatoon does an excellent job of riffing on one core concept in, like, five or six different ways, could two to three years of Animal Crossing support result in Nintendo getting real wild with new ideas for mechanics that we think are defined a certain way but they can like mix up oh yeah i'm sure i mean all they really have to do is just like flip a tiny little switch on even some mechanics that are already in the game and they would make it now they could create like whole new mini games in them yeah yeah or even like um one of our friends off the podcast was saying after he listened to our missing character list that blanca we didn't mention blanca the cat who you you know you make a pattern for in the past games and then she walked from town town with your pattern on her face that's an existing thing, but it is kind of this idea. Like if they bring her back, it is, oh, here's a pattern maker. You know how it works, but now it's being applied in a totally different way. So like how could they mix and match these mechanics in other ways is what's kind of intriguing to me at this point. Like yeah. to your minigame point, if Captain comes back and takes you to an island and there's like actual structured minigames, that would be cool. Yeah. I don't know what else it would be, but I don't know if you have any other ideas. But I think, or Kevin, what would it take to get you by Animal Crossing? Like, <laughs> maybe any of do like an anime mode or something. But no, it would be like uh, there's a lot of opportunity to like expand it beyond what it is now. I think, and knowing that they're, I think I'm, for- I'm too late to the zeitgeist. Like, at this point, it might be too late for me. Just like it might be too late for me to be playing uh, uh, Mario Maker. I could tell you, uh, you're distancing yourself quite literally from this game because you you sound very far away from your microphone <laughs> but yeah it uh yeah it might be you might have missed i don't know if there is a way to miss the boat fully but in terms of the zeitgeist it certainly has gone on already and gone past um or is passing but i i do think whatever it is yeah they're gonna need a, they're gonna do something that hooks people in a way whether or not they played it before something that's a little different or stands out or changes it and i think what is interesting is another game that Nintendo's working on that they've been pumping up um, is Pokemon's D- and its DLC. And Pokemon's interesting because uh, Animal Crossing was only part of the Switch story this past fiscal year in terms of being a big contributor to Nintendo's numbers. Pokemon Sword and Shield was actually no one's really talking about it in the same way as Pokemon, but it was actually bigger than uh, than Animal Crossing. So it just didn't have I the keep same, forgetting like, Pokemon oomph. came out. Yeah, and that's the thing. It didn't have the same oomph on society that po- that Animal Crossing did. It didn't have the same like cachet, but the sales numbers, like it was crucial for Nintendo this past year. It sold 17.37 million copies. And to put that in perspective for you and everyone else that forgot this game even exists, that's some of the best sales Pokemon has had in like 20 years. In the four and a half months it's been out, something like that, five months, the uh, Sword and Shield pair has already outsold every Pokemon entry's lifetime sales except Red and Blue, Gold and Silver, and Diamond and Pearl. And Diamond and Pearl, better watch out because they're going to be outsold very soon. They're only 300,000 uh, 300, ahead of Sword and Shield right now. Uh-oh. So it's going to be passing a couple months' time. But, like, that's crazy. Like, Diamond and Pearl were on the best-selling Nintendo system ever, the DS, and in four and a half, five months, Pokemon Sword and Shield is going to just blow it out of the water. Like, 
DS had such a more massive audience, and yet Switch's Pokemon is just about to swallow that generation whole. It's crazy. And yeah, I, I can't believe... I mean, I don't know. Every time I remember it exists, I keep reminding myself, like, wait, why don't I have this game yet? But Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because, like, it's... When are you going to get it? Because... I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I Nintendo's I, positioning DLC for it as mm-hmm. if it's a new game release. Like they're really treating it like on their slide, on their like, you know, uh, financial report slide, they list it in the same size and format as Xenoblade, as Clubhouse Games, as you know, all the new releases that are actually coming out. They're like also Isle of Armor and Crown Tundra. Well, the thing is, like, I was gonna wait for the third version, which already came essentially, and. I don't know. It came too soon. Like I was kind of hoping, like, all right, a year from now, when it would usually come, I'll have cleared off more off of my plate and things will be a lot more stabilized. But because it already came and I'm already and it's making me feel that much more behind, I just feel less incentivized to get it. But if there's no other major Nintendo releases this fall, when gang it around the time of the Crown Tundra coming out in the fall makes sense because then you are getting your one year almost. Well, I'll be playing other things. That's the thing. There's like already a lot of other games that are coming out that mm. I want to play, right. and and I mean by then, like Smash Brothers would have already had like two more characters, and I've already been. I mean, you have to remember, like I play Pokemon for the competitive side, and I feel like at this point, like I'm just gonna like I'm still keeping up with the meta, but I I think I'm just gonna wait for the next generation at this point. All right, I guess that's I, fair. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put all my eggs in the Smash Brothers basket, essentially, and that that can make some sense. Um, I mean, I un- would, un- I just... unless like they would. Yeah. Re- I mean, at this point, it, like as much as like I feel like, yeah, like I like the fact that they kind of um, that a lot of Pokemon didn't come back because you know, like, well, who cares that half the decks didn't make it? It's like a nice soft restart. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Like, I mean, I still find all that appealing, but. I'm also at the point where, that being said, like, I love the competitive side, but half the motivation for playing any Pokemon game is also just the the appeal of the Pokemon themselves. And, like, if the timing had worked, I would have bought it, whether, I mean, at the time, I didn't really spoil a lot of the decks for myself, but if the Pokemon sucked, whatever. Like, I mean, I decided I would have had it, but, like, now that the game has been out for a while and I've seen every Pokemon... I don't really feel motivated to... Like, I, don't, I mean, out of the new ones, like, the only one is, like, Cramorant that I really, like, really, really liked. Mm-hmm. But besides that one, it's, like, uh, there isn't really, like, a bunch of one I play as, like, in Sun and Moon. There were a few that I was, like, oh, man, I love this design. I want to play as this one. And, I mean, sometimes that kind of wins out over. I mean, even even in my competitive Pokemon teams, every single Pokemon I turned into a quote-unquote perfect Pokemon... I made them perfect because I love their design and them as a character. So if there aren't right. any that really like appeal to me, then I don't really, yeah, like what am I getting it for? It's like I'm just doing work at that point. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's it's, it's interesting because like... <laughs> I mean, if they bring back Chata, it's like uh, maybe at that point <laughs> because I mean we are past the point where like the deal with the new Pokemon. It's like now I'm just looking for any motivation to get it I they guess. may bring back chat Todd. i mean i mean the they, DLC, i mean they had the new pokemon yeah the that specific island i forgot what they called it but isle the, of uh i oh i just had it here wait, isle wow is that the isle one? of armor yeah isle when of armor. yeah when that comes out i mean that's the tropically one so yeah and that's out next month so you yeah so if it has any chance of coming out then i mean that would i mean as dumb as it is i mean that would probably get me back in but sometimes that's all it takes yeah because like uh, i said like yeah 
I mean, it's like, like Smash Brothers. Just... I mean, if they made a new Smash Brothers and like Bowser isn't in it, I'm obviously less inclined to get it because, like, I don't get any joy in winning if I'm not playing as a character I love. But yeah, right. What what I do think is kind of interesting is that like you aside, although I'm sure there's other people who feel the same way, um, like Sword and Shield, if they package this right, and I suspect they will, I suspect they uh, Nintendo anticipates a renewed interest and they're probably going to do a second wave of marketing, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they do like a soft relaunch of the game. You know, sort of like I was saying, Animal Crossing New Leaf before had the Amiibo support added, and then they reboxed it as Welcome Amiibo Edition, and that boosted a few million sales. I bet you they're going to do come November or maybe October or whenever in fall Crown Tundra comes out repackages the complete edition and everything but I bet you if they do that there will be enough attention that Sword and Shield could become the second best selling Pokemon games ever because Gold and Silver are in second place right now behind Red and Blue and they're at 23 million hmm. this is at 17.37 doing just five months of sales so like this who would have thought that Pokemon would come back like who would have thought that in five and a half months the lifetime sales of four going on five entire generations of Pokemon games would just be wiped out like that. It's kind of wild. Damn. Well, I, mean, I mean, frankly, I mean, lapsed players like hit home hard. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of coworkers that are playing Sun and Moon are people that have told me haven't played since Diamond and Pearl. You, you mean Sword and Shield, right? Sword and Shield, yeah, Sword and Shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they just get they haven't played since the DS days. If they were Pokemon fans, and if they weren't. They had just played since the Game Boy time, since the Game Boy games. Yeah, just because, just like me, I didn't play. Yeah, I was gonna say, Kevin, that's you, isn't just it? Cause, yeah. Just because, every, <laughs> yeah, because like if they had a 3DS by that point, they were kind of like done with Pokemon. But now that it's a Switch and it's essentially revamped, for lack of a better term, then like why not jump back in? And and frankly, I'm just happy that like I'm just happy to see Game Freak's willingness to try new things actually be rewarded here. Because I'm sure, like, oh, yeah. there's obviously that small subset of people. I mean, you already t- point out you don't mind the, the national decks not being there, the full national decks. Um, but it is nice to see that, like, it's blowing up like this. Because, you know, it does have less content than games in the past, blah, 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 blah. But it's one of the first times, but. like, Game Freak actually, yes, but... It is one of the first times that Game Freak actually like decided to take real risks for once, and not just like little changes like Sun and Moon where they made it a bit more linear, but it's kind of the same. I mean, like full on like the wild area, you know, introducing some light MMO components that people have always kind of wanted. At least me, I know as a kid, I loved the idea of what if there are other trainers from the real world in the game in some way. Like it, it's so cool to see them actually be rewarded so handsomely for those efforts, and I'm hoping it means future Pokemon games once they get through with the DLC. Once you know they package it up and say, "Okay, this is Gen Seven, I guess as as a complete form." Um, I'm really curious to see if this finally lets Game Freak experiment a bit more, or even more, with Gen mm-hmm. Eight and actually like really just do what they want. Versus what I'm a little worried about, which is that they just say, "Oh, cool, Gen Seven worked great. What if we do like Gen Seven point five? And it's kind of we'll call it Gen Eight, but really it's Gen Seven again. So like I'm hoping this gives them the little boost to really get experimental in bigger ways too other ways too but we'll see um, for sure yeah for <laughs> sure i want the best for pokemon for sure yeah and um i i do think though that like i wasn't i know i sort of said it quickly in passing but seriously of note nintendo is treating this dlc like a major new game release like this is and that's how they treated it at the beginning of the year when they announced the dlc like to them we have sword and shield but oh no we don't have the next pokemon the next pokemon's coming in june and fall respectively so it's interesting that they're doing that um so it's like pokemon and animal crossing are really the two biggest movers and shakers for them right now as they go into the next year without any real communication of what else they're doing 
Um, but it is, it'll be unf- it would be unfair to say that it was just those two because basically anything Nintendo releases does extre- does extremely well. I mean, we were I mentioned before the Switch bump. You were talking about. I know. Where's the picture of, of the? Where's the picture of the Switch printing out money? Just how the Wii had one. Dude, it's insane how much the Switch is printing out money. I mean, so many basically. Photoshop that, a, Jason. I want to see. I'll a, work on it. I'll work on it at some point. But who would it have? I mean, the other one had Miyamoto and... uh, Well, then they made one with Kimishima. I think he was holding a Switch, but it might have been a Wii U. Um, Mm. But Kimishima is no longer the present either. Now it's for Kawa. So I don't know if there's one of him. I'll have to do some digging. But seriously, if you put this... Who who was the one before before the current... uh... Uh, Kimishima. Kimishima. He was one of their... Yeah, he was one of their financial guys that then sort of stepped in. He actually used to work at a bank prior to Nintendo. My favorite meme that came out of him was like, how do we save Nintendo? <laughs> and then oh, it's yeah. three pictures of the rears of uh, of female characters, like Twinkle uh, and right. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Nintendo. I love, uh, I love that picture. Nintendo <laughs> discovered the form of women quite strongly in the early Switch days and late uh, Wii U days. Yeah, but um, yeah, and and what was I gonna say? What was I starting to say before you got me all sidetracked on that? Oh, right. Everything that goes on Switch just sells super well. Was my point because uh, the Switch bump. Like I think they to to the point of these memes, he did say Nintendo, and they are printing money because like, yeah, if you put a game on Switch, it's the best selling game in the franchise. Animal Crossing did it. Sword and Shield are about to do it, or at least be second best. Um, in six months flat, Luigi's Mansion Three, best selling entry in the series, over six million copies sold. In three weeks flat, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon DX, which came out literally at the start of the month, has already surpassed the entire lifetime sales of the 3DS Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Gales of Infinity. It sold 1.26 million copies just in three weeks of March. And that's a game that I feel like nobody was talking about. Like, it had no real hype, but over a million copies. Uh, Mario Maker 2, up from Mario Maker 1. Splatoon 2, over 10 million sold. Super Mario Party, also are 10 million ships, sold. Are these ship numbers or sold through? These are, I believe, you know, I think it's sold. Okay. I think it's sold. Um, and, like, but Super Mario Party now is officially the best-selling Mario Party ever, over 10 million. Uh, it passed Mario Party DS. Jeez, the game that needs to get some more content. Seriously. I know, I feel bad for anyone that buys it. It's, like, it's a great game, but come on, Come Nintendo. on, Nintendo, get with the program. Yeah, but, like, it's now the best-selling. And, like, none of this even takes into account the standard evergreens that always sell well, like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Another 8 million copies sold this fiscal year, meaning it is now the second best Mario Kart ever in terms of sales behind Mario Kart Wii. Or like Mario Odyssey, it's now the best-selling 3D Mario game. 17.41 million sold. 2.97 of those were just this past year. Breath of the Wild, best-selling Zelda game. Also 17.41 million sold. 4.64 of them, yes, nearly double, or just shy of double of what Mario did in the past year. Even slow burners, even original titles. Ring Fit Adventure, now over 2 million copies since it came out in October. Link's Awakening, over 4 million copies, although slightly less than uh, Breath of the Wild, which is interesting because Breath of the Wild is a 3-year-old game and Link's Awakening is not. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's crazy how anything Nintendo releases is guaranteed to sell. Like The reason I'm spying off all these numbers is to prove the point that they have momentum right now in every way. Like In just the past fiscal year, they sold 27 million – or they had 27 million sellers, 27. 18 of them were for first party – Nine of them were third party, but 18 games by Nintendo all, no matter when they came out, went on to sell a million copies just from April of 2019 to March of 2020. That is crazy. Like that's, I can't think of any other company that has that sort of output of first party content that is guaranteed every single one to sell. It's crazy. 
And like in all, like Switch's lifetime software sales are already about eclipse the 3DS, even though the Switch itself is 20 million behind the 3DS in hardware. So clearly, like clearly, the momentum is there. And if this Switch bump holds, even small games that we already know are coming out, you know, in the next month or so, month or so, so Xenoblade and Clubhouse games, they're probably going to generate bigger sales than we even think. Like actually, to to be fair, Clubhouse games, it's 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 shaping up to actually be a little cooler than I thought we thought it would be. Like we knew from the direct mini that it'd be fifty one games and you know it'd be whatever. The DS original, that was good, good quality, the games will be fine, checkers, connect four or whatever. But it, it really seems like Nintendo's going all in on it. Like the the game's uh, Japanese website was launched and Game Explain compiled all these different little things it has, and there's actually some really neat stuff in there. Like um the way it does online is kinda interesting where 44 of the games can be played online, and what you're going to do is they don't want to divide up the audience, so you pick three games you want to play, and they will match you to people who pick at least one of the three, and then they'll shuffle you through all the different games that the two of you chose. And it's kind of just you know a way to ensure that you don't divide the Clubhouse Games crowd into 51 separate online modes. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, I actually think that's really cool, and it lets you diversify in the same way that we were talking about how Splatoon um, – you know, it rotates the modes whether you want to or not, so you can try everything. This is kind of doing that too, which is a really good way to get. Like, if I were to buy it, I wouldn't care about half the card games, but this is a cool way to get me to maybe care about half the card games. Um, but it also has like just what I saw in the video that Gangsplain put up. It has what I would call like, I think I've described this before in talking about some intense releases. Like, there's so many little decisions that aren't crucial, but they really emphasize like design decisions that they emphasize like a confidence in the product from the developers. Like, for example, um, if you play in dock mode or tabletop mode, they will actually shift the perspective of your game to reflect that. So if you're playing on the TV, it'll be tilted towards you and not just be flat. But if you play on tabletop, it will be flat because you're looking down at it, which theoretically it could be flat on both and it'd be fine. But they went through that little extra effort or like uh, they're bringing back the (laughs) – oh, adorable. Or how they're like bringing back the ability to link together multiple switches like Super Mario Party does where if you put them side by side, you can – you know, create a bigger layout. So they're doing it for slot car tracks. They're doing it for the map for the tanks game. That's straight out we play. Why uh, have they expanded that? That's such a cool. They're feature. going to. There's so there's two modes of it in Clubhouse. <laughs> Literally, games. no, but but I mean like like for for like other games, like not just for this. Wait, oh, like other we play games? Yeah. Well, the the target practice ones back too. I forgot what it's actually called. A uh, shooting range or shooting something. So they took some of the more popular ones. Um, they also are bringing back we bowling. It just doesn't have Mies, but it's the exact same motion mechanics. Ooh, what do they use? Nothing. It's just a ball hovering in the air. It's really weird. Interesting. But, but it's basically the same mechanics. And like the thing about Wii Sports is there's been stories about how there's been an uptick in used game sale, used sales of Wii Sports because people want to be active and can't get ring fit or have Wiis or whatever. And there's you know anecdotally, if you go on Twitter or social media in general, you can find a lot of people being like, "I'm getting back into Wii Sports," and um. Yeah, like Nintendo's now just like, oh, cool. Well, here's one for your Switch. So, like, this game could really be a lot bigger than we think it is because they're kind of taking the best of of all their successful touch generation stuff and cramming it into one package. So this itself might get a Switch bump. But one, one of the cool um, ways you can connect the Switches I wanted to mention, this one's so unnecessary but really kind of neat. There's a fishing mini game in Clubhouse Games. One of the games is fishing. And... You can combine multiple switches up to four to make your own custom river shape, like your own, you know, piece together river. And here's the kicker. If you use the kickstand, it turns that switch's river into a waterfall because now it's elevated. It's so unnecessary, but it's such a cool little thing. 
And there's also a bonus piano, apparently. This is actually the 52nd activity in the game. And you can use your Joy-Cons as maracas to play along. Mm-hmm. Like, they really so have everything in piano, here. Like, so, so they just got two of the lava things and just put it into this game. <laughs> Essentially, and you don't have to build it. It's just there. But the neat thing about the piano is you can have up to four switches together, and you can all play piano together. And you only need one game card, it sounds like. So you can. So people that don't buy Clubhouse games, if they want to play multiplayer with their friends, they can just, at least locally, they can just download a separate app from the eShop for free, and then it works across all the switches. Because, mm. you know, if you do a card-based like game, that. you need separate screens to have separate hands hidden from one another. So, like, they really thought it through. And I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends up getting a pretty big Switch bump because it's, like, kind of the, not to the same extent as um, Animal Crossing, but it's kind of the right game for the moment if you want to, like, do, like, we do those weekly board game nights online. You know, like, we find, like, various games on web pages and do it that way, and this kind of caters to that. So, I think, I don't, I don't know, I think there might be a big opportunity for Clubhouse games that none of us are considering. Like, I'm sort of considering buying it now. I had no interest, but then all these little nips and tucks and tiny little features, like, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, well, that's also kind of cool. Oh, should I just buy it? Maybe I should just buy it. You just, you just brought something brought something up. The, the board game industry right now is is in dire, dire straits. Are um, they? Are people yeah. not well, yeah, buying board games? Well, you have to play them locally? I, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, true. Duh. Like like the physical board game space is, is yeah, in tabletops. dire it, Yeah, tabletops. Similarly yeah. with um with the comic book industry. But, yeah, no uh, comic book I've heard, yeah. Yeah, but um like online board cause... gaming is, is huge right now. Like tabletop mm-hmm. simulators a thing. Uh more there's more and more like digital versions of games that we already play in, in tabletop simulator that, that look really really robust. So I mean I don't know, it's it it's as a as a big board game fan, I, I am glad that these uh, digital versions are are starting to hit well momentum as, right. as the theme of the, the episode is. Uh, yeah. It is kind of it is look at it, me influencing you. <laughs> it, it is it is a little sad that, that the that the physical board game stuff is uh, is being impacted. Yeah. But hopefully, once we're out of this, people will start going to like real life board games. Yeah, that I I miss being able to get together in like. I'm sure people are going to be on a huge withdrawal. I mean, I literally had a like a the Saturday that the quarantine started, I was already already had a day planned out with some of my coworkers to play Twilight Imperium, and that was going to be like the first time we actually play it. But then we never got to, and because I mean that's a game we've owned for like over two years now, and we still haven't even played. It's because who knows if we ever will at this point. We we played Kingdom Death Monster. Like twice, <laughs> and every single That's time that one. we do, we have to restart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's always something. There's always yeah, and it always something. takes like five. It always takes at least like two hours to set up, and four hours to beat one like campaign. That's supposed mm. to be like sixty campaigns. Oh God! How, wow, that's a lot of time. Hey, you get your money worth. <laughs> No, for it's sure. True. I'm not saying, oh, oh yeah. God, like, like it's bad. Just like, that's, that's a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, just imagine D&D campaigns, but I don't yeah. even, I wonder what, I wonder how those are doing. I assume it doesn't affect them much because you maybe don't have to be in person. You know, the thing that like kind of drives me crazy about all this is so obviously there are industries that are really hurt by what's going on now, right? Like D&D could be, train card games could be, like, I don't know how like Wizards of the Coast is doing. I think they own all of that. Um Toy sales are apparently up because, you know, people are buying basketball hoops for their backyard or for their driveway or whatever. But, yeah, like board games are kind of up uh, – are kind of down. But video games are up. Like gaming as a whole – I mean, honestly, all the numbers we just ran through for Nintendo are positive. 
all the industry numbers that we talked about with MPD last week, last episode are positive. And yet I feel like we like Nintendo, if to bring it back to Nintendo, they're like, I feel like they don't really want to run with that. Like every other company is kind of just like, yeah, like, you know, we're, we're making do like Xbox is doing like monthly Xbox 2020 updates. They're calling it. Um, and like Sony supposedly got to have a presentation in early June. All these companies are moving forward. And then like for all the, success nintendo's been talking up the like opposite side of that like the the yin to the yang here is this gloom about their next year and they're just like oh yeah our profits are gonna fall 15 percent. the switch sales are gonna be 19 million that's still a healthy number but you know that's less than it was this year uh they're anticipating that only 140 million games will be sold which again big number but their base is higher now they have more people with switches if this year they sold 168 million which they did they're anticipating with exponentially more switches there's gonna be a 17 percent drop in people buying things like what are they doing like games are doing well what are they expecting to go wrong that everything's like because they're legitimate for the best and they are saying that they're gonna you know adjust as they go but they're also simultaneously saying we are not anticipating any game delays we are adjusting to work at home it is a different environment we're working through it we may need to delay games. We may need to temporarily stop Switch production. Uh, they actually gave a doomsday scenario. We may need to turn off our services, meaning online will stop working and the eShop will stop working if they can't maintain them. So they do have like worst-case scenario, but they keep saying, but as of now, everything's fine, and then they just tank all their numbers. It And there's legit industries, like you're saying, the board game industry and that sort of thing that are suffering. So it's weird to see Nintendo who's doing great making verbally taking this hit and causing their own stock to drop like 5.9 percent because all the analysts are like what are you talking about like one analyst was saying even if they just kept selling the games they're selling or if they put out the games they're planning to put out you know their usual load of games they should be selling between 180 and 200 million games and it sounds like now nah, we're gonna do 140 it's like what is so what are you what what is the disconnect here i guess and they are conservative very conservative so i understand why they're maybe playing it safe but it just seems like this is overly safe i I don't know i'm not a financial guy it just struck me as really weird well i guess you have to be realistic right physical as you said animal crossing was 50 percent uh physical 50 percent digital what makes you think if this um if this lockdown these stay-at-home measures weren't in place don't you think that the physical sales would be much much larger if, yeah, no, you're right. But I think um, – well, actually, funny enough for that one, Animal Crossing itself probably would have sold less. But to your broader point, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the part that I'm getting hung up on is everyone else in the industry has figured out workarounds. Like no E3, whatever. Xbox says Xbox 2020. Tokyo Game Show was just canceled the other day. That's okay. IGN, Games Radar, Jeff Keighley are all individually organizing these online events to let you get the word out. And all these companies are signing on, like everyone. Yet Nintendo – they're just clamming up. Like VentureBeat is saying, they put out a report that Nintendo is outright not doing their Nintendo Directs at all this summer. They're skipping their June one. Um, it's the first time they've ever done that, I think. And granted, they're usually tied to E3, but you know, E3 said, "Oh, we're gonna have digital events instead," which they then backed off of. But presumably, the pioneer of digital events, Nintendo, who previously confirmed they'd be at E3, would be able to still do a digital thing and deliver games digitally at least, because those sales numbers are physical and digital. So that's where I'm kind of like, what, why, how's the rest of the industry figuring this out? But Nintendo's – maybe it's just their conservatism. I don't – Maybe really... maybe production 
hit them much harder than we know than we maybe maybe i mean the one thing that venture beat did mention is it's a lot of it's the japanese work culture the difficulty of transitioning to a work at home environment um for nintendo's home base of employees in japan is i guess work at home is a lot more less common over there so they have to kind of retool how they're going to do it um which i guess makes some sense but again i look at like sony they're doing an event in like three weeks xbox just did it they did inside xbox the other day and they just had everyone use their webcams like it's all digital well anyway. yeah but if you if you watch that that uh, oh, inside present, xbox yeah. it was rough not and i'm not talking yeah. about the video game side just the production of it <laughs> rough the fact that you have these high-ranking microsoft employees these xbox employees yeah. using headsets instead of like you couldn't buy them a, a yeti uh a blue yeti like like we have yeah like <laughs> They're, they're just using, like, little we have $20. Snowballs, what happened? No, I was telling Jason, like, we have snowballs. Oh, I meant blue. Yeah. but Yeah, yeah but, like, they're using, like, the mics from their headsets. Like That's a little weird. Okay. Like, so, if you can you compare that. that compare that to, like, a Nintendo Direct, like, the Nintendo yeah. Directs blow them out of the water. That's true. And I guess Nintendo doesn't want to compromise their quality, which, yeah. I mean, props to them. There's something to be said for that. What, what did you think of the inside Xbox, by the way? Because that was... What a firestorm of opinions that came out of that thing. Besides the presentation value, I'm talking about like the actual pitch of what it would be and the games they showed and what they showed of the games. Uh, personally, I thought it was fine. Um, I mean, I mean, right out of the gate, they said that this is going to be third party stuff. Uh, yeah. I there was a lot of controversy for Assassin's Creed Valhalla showing gameplay and they show like three seconds of that i can understand but like everything else mm -hmm. they they told you it was going to be some gameplay which we did get some gameplay from some of these games bright memory uh is one of them that comes up to mind the very first the very first game that that's the first off. one right yeah yeah i thought so, that one looked cool i got some metroid vibes yeah i was gonna say the first game was the only one that gave me a kind of next gen feel i feel like a lot of them didn't really do that but then again well i was just, and, but there also like, wasn't a really lot of gameplay so yeah and then like but but like just going on for bright memory that's already on PC. Oh, oh, geez. So like yeah, like, that there's there's definitely maybe it's just me, but it feels like there's definitely a lack of like next gen like oomph. Like it doesn't. We're reaching. We always talk about oh next gen like we're gonna reach that threshold where it doesn't really change much. I feel like mm -hmm. we're kind of reaching that threshold for real this time, especially in light of the fact that all these games are smart delivery, meaning they will be on Xbox One and Series X. Which... I don't necessarily agree with that, uh, okay, considering those are all uh, multi-platform games. So, to ah, a degree, they, they have to do this. Yeah, yeah, they're not like Sony talked a big game about its SSD, and there was a lot of reports coming out from developers saying that this is going to change uh, game design, like the fact that you could load up worlds much faster. I mean, but that's you're... exciting. Yeah, yeah no, the but... load time stuff I'm into. I think I guess I meant visually, we might be hitting a, a wall. But... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, no, no. no um, in terms of load times in terms of you know like xbox one promises but i don't think i used it for it but the idea of like leaning on the cloud to process stuff so you could do way more advanced things in the games like huge swarms of emmys and whatnot like that right all that sounds extremely cool you're gonna and but, i think gameplay thing wise that... things will change but people are expecting graphics and or not they let me rephrase a lot of people think next gen means better graphics and i don't know if that's necessary as true anymore right right and and like i said these are multi-platform games so you're not going to see that's anything cool. truly next gen until Sony shows off their first-party stuff, until Microsoft right. shows off their first-party stuff, I don't think there's a lot that Nintendo could do to show us a next-gen game because they're they're always by yeah. design, which is yeah. and that yeah. design's always always worked way better than than way worse. So, 
Yeah, and I think I think and in a weird way, in a really weird way, it almost works out that Nintendo's quiet the year of Xbox and PlayStation doing their thing. Like I don't think this is intentional. I think it's just kind of a side effect of the situation. But you know, if you go to E3 and E3 were to have happened, and it's like PS5, Xbox Series X, and Breath of the Wild 2, it looks kind of like Breath of the Wild 1, except the, the palette's a little darker. Like, you know, the attention that the Mia will give will be on the f- crazy new stuff. But right now, Nintendo can just kind of coast on their on all that momentum we've been talking about, at least for a little while, and let Xbox and Sony kind of have the new spotlight. And people are still buying Switches for whatever reasons, you know, the kind of viral nature of it right now. And then Nintendo can come back once that sells down and kind of hit the ground running again. I think the only thing that, um, for me at least, is kind of annoying only because I like following the Nintendo news cycle so much, and we kind of touched on this, is before we didn't know what Nintendo was doing with the news cycle. Now, in light of the VentureBeat report, in light of Nintendo in their own financials being like, eh, like basically um, we're at the point where it seems like there is no news cycle from the first party side of Nintendo. It's not when will it happen. It's kind of like there isn't. It's not happening. Just sit tight, which is fine given the circumstances, but it is a bit of a bummer as a fan of these announcements and the whole news cycle. That's just kind of like, oh, it's going to be real quiet for Nintendo, which has the advantage of, you know, they can't delay what they don't announce. But the downside is they sometimes can't announce they, what they don't delay. In... <laughs> Sorry, I was just flipping that. Well, it, it almost <laughs> worked. But you go, no, you get what I mean, though. Like the downside is that sometimes maybe I oh, do yeah, want that there's this. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes I do want to know it's on the horizon, even if they then say, Sorry, we're delaying it a few months. Like no one when Last of Us 2 was delayed was like, Well, I'm never buying that game now. Especially because then a month late, you know, it's now a month later and it's being released next month. So oh, kind of like don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people now that aren't going to buy that game. Well, that's because it got leaked. That has nothing to yeah. do with that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad for Naughty Dog. That sucks that got leaked like that. Yeah, but now you got mm. a bunch of people who uh, really hate what they did with the game. So, What's awful is they're sending death threats to Neil. Uh, Neil Druckmann. Really? Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah. Yep. Dude, the internet's it's a horrible because, place. Yeah, that's because people have nothing better to do. Yeah. The, the glimmer of hope for the internet, and I would even say for us Switch owners in terms of like what do we, people who already own Switches, get to play next, is Nintendo's news cycle might be dead. But we have a little stuff to look forward to because there's the Summer Game Fest, and that's a bunch, basically all the third parties. So there will probably be Switch yeah, news coming out I want to know more about that. the Summer Game Fest. Yeah, so it's essentially Jeff Keighley's latest initiative. It's a bit different than the very like hands-on approach he takes with the Game Awards. Essentially what he's doing is for the next four months, he uh, is running a giant – like this is the tweet I that uses an analogy – or uh, the analogy I tweet. But basically you know like how if you schedule a meeting in Google Calendar, there's a tab you click called Find, My, Find a Time, and you click it, and it shows you everyone's conflicting schedules and what the gaps in those schedules are so you can pick a time where everyone's free. He's basically the one-man version of that. So he's having the whole industry uh, tell him what they're doing, and he's organizing it so no one conflicts with anyone. And he's putting it on a website at summergamefest.com or gamefestival.com maybe where you go and it will have a schedule of what's coming up. He'll augment it with some reveals of his own. Um, he's calling <laughs> them sunrise. Well, he's calling them sunrises. This and it's what I've been sun- up to. Yeah, no, he just goes – so today, I had oatmeal, and then that's the end of the I mean, I, no, uh, that'd be um, cool if he busts out with something like, I actually founded a game studio, Keeley Games. That would, that would be kind of crazy. No, really Keeley like, Games. I, I don't know. I think it's more like... Um, Does Keeley have a production company? He, um, Game Slice, I believe, is his production company. Um, it's basically him, as far as I'm aware. I'm not sure, though. But, um, 
Yeah, so he, he these Sunrise things that he's doing are more like he's teaming up with companies to reveal things exclusively through Summer Game Fest, not just piggybacking off existing things and being middleman. So I, my analogy is he's the find a time tab, which I know is an okay analogy because he liked it on Twitter. So he, he's it's not an insult, wow. even though it sounds like one. But he prefers the analogy of calling himself a traffic cop or the guy that directs planes at an airport when they're taxiing. I forgot the word for that. But um, that's kind of more his angle. But he's basically playing middleman for the entirety of the game industry for everything from big events like inside xbox to whatever playstation's doing to uh coordinating with xbox and steam to do at-home demos in june kind of like he did for uh, the game festival during game awards last year to in-game events like what's going to go on in fortnite or PUBG or whatever else um so it's going to be basically this running four-month rolodex of everything going on in the game industry and on some level that's really cool I feel like because it gives – there's a built-in audience that can be leveraged for companies big, small, and indie maybe. Um, you know, So it's like a really stretched out three where he can get a captive crowd to know about every little thing and companies that maybe wouldn't be able to get as big of a crowd now have the shot at that because they'll be on that calendar. They'll get plugged by Summer Game Fest and everything. But on the other hand, like four months is a really long time. He might as well just make a year-long like TV Guide-style website of just every game event at that point I feel like. I don't know. I mean, like, do you guys even think this qualifies as an event, or is it basically like he made a website that shows you when then has a calendar? I, I I wouldn't call it an event, but you know, it's it's cool. <laughs> it, it's it's just nice because um, it's it's a chance for like gaming to kind of rally around something in a branding exercise, essentially. But you know, we don't have. There isn't like a central point for the industry. We definitely need like, gamers to rally around something that way they're not done like. Well, I guess, you know, when you leave them with too much time, they get very dangerous. They go send death threats to Neil Druckmann, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but, uh, yeah, and and one thing I do actually like that he's doing is, I don't know if you guys remember uh, the bonus round, his old show on game trailers. Ring any bells? No? So, he used to do this thing called the bonus round, uh, where basically it was like a talking head panel show, like you'd see on a news network, or you'd see on like ESPN, where they're analyzing a sports team's, like, practices and the business side of the front office and all that and he gets like these big people this uh to come and comment and they kind of do round robins on topics and this is actually where michael pactor became a well-known analyst outside of just like the finance world because he was the regular on bonus round and would constantly um be a guest there how was our buddy pack attack doing well, see, Pack Attack was a spinoff of Bonus Round. So no, well, I mean, not the oh, how they do. Well, he, well, we'll find out because they're doing Bonus Round again. Oh. That's one of the other cool things. So, so along with those sunrises where Jeff Keighley announced he ate oatmeal that morning or whatever game it really is, um, he's got to do Bonus Rounds in tandem with some of these events. So they did one for Inside Xbox, and it was Michael Pactor. And because everyone's stuck at home, it was Peter Moore, the former head of Xbox, giving his take on what Xbox is doing now, which I thought was really kind of cool. And, like, can you imagine, like, if Nintendo did a presentation later this summer and Keeley, given his relationship with Reggie, was able to do a bonus round that had Reggie commenting from an outside perspective on what Nintendo's doing? Like, for the Nintendo business side nerd of me, that sounds so amazing. Like, I really want to watch that. So it's cool that he's doing that, I think. Um, actually, Reggie's doing a podcast, too, now that I think about it. We're starting to see Reggie open up. He's doing a seven-episode podcast starting this week with uh, a reporter from Washington Post named Harold Goldberg. It's called Talking Games. I think it's a fundraiser. So you can go like their Kickstarter or GoFundMe or something and throw some money their way towards helping 
helping children in some way, I would suspect. I don't remember the details. But, uh, yeah, Reggie's actually, like, going to be opinionated now and actually, like, give takes. So it would be kind of cool if he and Kiwi linked up for some sort of post-show about Nintendo one day. Well, I guess we can but, only hope. Uh, yeah, well, I feel like I'm the only one that's really hoping. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some people are thirsty for, for any kind of Reggie. knowledge. I'm thirsty even for Reggie. It, yeah, even if, even if it's not news, <laughs> like, I mean... Yeah, like like in this case, like you said, you're you would be more than happy just to listen to Reggie talk about his thoughts on. Dude, I loved I loved when he went on that Cornell podcast and talked about like his time at Nintendo and talked about how he like stopped. I know I said this on the podcast before, but talked about how he like stopped them from doing the graffiti Nintendo logo because it was like, off brand. No, I just thought it was I thought it was really cool. But um, anyway, my real hope, I guess, with Summer Game Fest is that if Nintendo's not partaking because they're clamming up right now third parties can fill the void like activision blizzard and ea have both confirmed in their investor briefings that they're going to have multiple releases that have yet to be revealed this year ea is going as far as to highlight that they will have multiple projects coming to switch in particular so beyond just burnout there will be ea games on switch this year the cynical person could say it's going to be the barely updated fifa game again but VentureBeat, who is on a bit of a scoop spree as of late uh, they're reporting it's going to be apex legends and possibly a remaster of Mass Effect Trilogy. Hmm. All three Mass Effects, not just the third one like what was on Wii U. All the Mass Effects. That was horrible. It was, but um, Apex <laughs> could be interesting. Like, Apex makes a ton of sense to me, a ton of sense to me, because, like, Switch has a big, active, free-to-play audience. You know, Fortnite, Paladins, Warframe, Warface, other games that probably start with the word war. Asphalt, Space as war. we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and... Uh, and frankly, like I, I'd be down to check out Apex on Switch. I've heard good things about it. You, you played Apex a little, didn't you, Kevin? Yeah. And yeah, I think you talked about it on the show when it came out, if I'm not mistaken. And that one, or am I mixing up my? I feel like you did. Maybe I'm mixing up my games. But either Probably way, like, that it came seems, out, but or sometime. But I've, I've brought it up on this podcast yeah. numerous times. And that, and that'd be cool. Or like even Mass Effect makes sense because you know lofty, big RPGs all do super well on Switch. I mean, The Witcher's. Three's port sold upwards of 800,000 copies, and that's like a however many year old game. Skyrim sold a million copies, so like Mass Effect slots right in there. Um, but should this hold true, well, two things. One, I think it's just great that EA is finally giving Switch some real support, finally. But part of me feels like there's room to diversify here a little. Like if Animal Crossing is here and is such a big hit, why are The Sims not in consideration? If Splatoon has 10 million copies sold, and Ninjala's beta was so popular the other week that it crashed and they had to delay the game for a whole month to late June now. Like, why not Plants vs. Zombies Warfare? I think that's what the spinoff's called. Like, I, I'm just saying... Garden, these modern, like, yeah. Garden, Garden Warfare. Warfare. Garden Warfare. I'm just saying these feel like low-hanging fruit totally to play that game Even Star Wars Switch. games. What? No, that I would, totally, I would totally play that game if I... I, I right? I guess, I guess I have access to it on PS4, but... It's just, and like it's, the Sims... It's a game I want to play on the Switch for some reason. Yeah. It just feels right on the Switch because it's so similar in style to Splatoon, which is why Ninjala, as much of a Splatoon wannabe as it can kind of feel, does make sense and feel ho- at home on Switch. I feel sorry for but, that game because I feel like it doesn't deserve no, to be called like a ripoff or everything No, gameplay-wise, it's quite different from what I remember from when we demoed it. Very different, but yeah. But it seems like it's still getting its attention. I mean, like I said, the, the beta was so successful, it crashed their server and they have to delay the game a month. I mean, arguably, the only <laughs> thing it really has going for it is just it's focused on, I guess, some kind of fashion and just the colors. And that's about yeah, it. Yeah, and the, and the Japan setting. The Tokyo, the urban Tokyo setting. It's very similar. But yeah, but yeah I feel like I feel like uh, EA should like broaden their horizons a little. Um, 
and maybe even a Star Wars. Maybe they can somehow get the rights to Rogue Squadron or something and get that over. But but either way, like it's great that if Nintendo's gonna be quiet, EA and other third parties can sort of step in to fill the void at this time. Like we know Doom Eternal is coming at some point, although not June twenty third, as some people may have seen on Twitter, because that was fake. It's a fake account. And we know that like Mortal Kombat is getting a pretty lengthy new DLC release called Aftermath in a couple weeks here, and it comes with uh, RoboCop, right? Weirdly, yeah, very big yeah. shift for another realms. This is like the first time that people are actually being like, "Oh, thank God!" Actually, they're actually working on a game a little longer and not just moving on to the next <laughs> game. They never gave their fighting games like more than a year to breathe, so it's nice that people right. can actually continue to play this game without feeling obsolete. And and they're doing what I think Nintendo's gonna end up doing with Pokemon once they release the, all the DLC is they are re-releasing Mortal Kombat Aftermath and well it's called Mortal Kombat Collection I think but it's gonna be Aftermath and all the other stuff they put out in one package together. Oh. On, yeah, but I mean, but that's what they've done. They always have the complete oh, collection yeah. Yeah. with a K. And... Of course, because everything's with a K. It's Mortal Kombat after all. Of but, course. Uh, of course, but yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of like stuff. I and mean, like you know, Ninjala's gonna be something to play over the summer assuming it doesn't get delayed again like the beta impressions are pretty positive so hope there yeah. but, um, i think I'll, hopefully they just sped up the gameplay because i think that was like the only issue even if it yeah, was just a little intent- clunky yeah. yeah like i mean i understand why you would want to have delay and move so that you don't spam them but i feel like mm-hmm. just speed up everything overall so that it still has you know some kind of delay but not to the point where it feels not that fun to play Right, and they definitely yeah. changed up like the weapon crafting with the bubble gum's a much bigger component now than it was when we played. Because before it's just like you pump your bubble gum to a certain size and then you go, but now yeah, it's it just like depends a whole on other what you layer. Get. Yeah, I mean yeah. it looks like they have just other weapons besides just the bat now, but yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's super diversified now. So that, I'm curious to try that. I kind of want to do the beta, but it's stuck working, like actually having to work, not pretending to work, and secretly playing my Switch in the same room. <laughs> so I don't do that if my employers are listening. I've never done such a thing. But um wow. yeah, like there's stuff to play this summer. And and to be fair, like it's not like Nintendo isn't working on stuff at all. I mean there's safe bets for this year. The rumored Mario thirty fifth anniversary game, that got some credence because Best Buy uh listed the other day Mario three D World for Switch by accident. Uh and that's bound to do well for Nintendo. I mean the Switch edition of New Super Mario Brothers U went on to sell six million copies. Just shy of what I think it did. Or not just shy, but within arm's reach of what it did well, on at least it's its own Wii release kind of, yeah it's a great game but i can't see myself getting it since Elvis and i 100 percent oh yeah the first one. i don't think i'm gonna double dip but it is like, an even if they add like just... two levels it's not worth yeah right which is basically what happened with mario u is they added uh what's your what's her name toadette okay. with the crown no but she turns into like a fake princess peach peachette wow, yes yeah peachette uh, Nintendo. And, uh, you know, that wasn't enough to compel me. But still, for a lot of people that maybe just got Switches, that's one new release to look forward to. And the thing is, like, someone noticed buried in their financials, there's an interesting tidbit that their R&D spending is the highest quarterly amount that Nintendo has put into R&D in years. So they're certainly cooking stuff up over there. We just have no idea when we'll see it, what it will be, how Nintendo, or, you know, why Nintendo maybe isn't themselves confident enough to move forward in the way other companies are. But nonetheless, there's stuff in the works, which kind of brings us to a similar, albeit more informed takeaway than I feel like we had a couple episodes ago, which is, you know, COVID is really messing stuff up. Uh, obviously, the complaints we're complaining about or I'm complaining about are, you know, the nice to have, not the must have. People's health comes first. Um, and maybe the rest of, it, of the industry is starting to find some footing. But as Nintendo fans know, 
Nintendo likes to zig when everyone else zags, so sometimes in good ways, sometimes less so. So who knows what it's going to be for us. But if nothing else, it's going to be an interesting, weird roller coaster of news this summer, at least from the third parties. And, you know, we'll be there every step of the way, I imagine, with our thoughts and impressions and takes. So for now, that's all I have for this episode. I don't know if you guys have any other topics you want to bring up. How long before you think we get a game that's centered around someone that's in quarantine? I'm there, sure there's about there are, two dozen indies working on it. There's already a game like that. It's called uh, Silent Hill for the Room. Mm, uh, there's also that indie game they showed at the Xbox E3 conference last year about the person who kept getting that was in their apartment and stuck there and it kept looping like Groundhog Day. Oh, from, uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anna tw- I think doing it. yeah, Twelve Minutes. I think is the name of it. Yeah, that one looks. I mean, that one's a little different because like the police show up and it's more of like some sort of crime. Was what committed. about a Hollywood but, movie that's all shot from like you know? From quarantine, quote unquote, so it's all like mobile phone quality. I guess like paranormal activity or something. But, well, you know what? Uh, there oh. technically is a movie called Quarantine. Yeah, there is. Um, but I was gonna say, in the way Angel's describing, I don't know, but you know, there is there footage, is a but it's weird. Just, you know, that's all that it. Kind of like how we saw what was that movie that I saw starring um Harold, looking for his daughter, only using the internet, searching. And, searching. Ah, yeah, and all the footage was just from webcams or website pages. I guess like screen caps. Did, did you like how I uh, Kevin said the answer and then I repeat it as if I knew too? You repeat everything we say. <laughs> not everything. <laughs> Anything I say. Any like little – well, not everything I say obviously, but like little tiny things. Not thing. everything. But um, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be movies like that eventually. I, there is kind of a weird thing. It's like a lot – you know, they do movies to relate, but they also do movies to escape, like escapism. Um, and that's partly why superhero movies blew up when they did because like things were not great in the world. It was during the recession and all that. Uh, or the Great Recession, so I don't know how much they're how close to Raga go I go the bone here with these, but I'm sure eventually there will be stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the opposite first, more like feel good, like com- like wacky comedies may make a comeback first for escapism, and then you know down the line we might get stuff that's more like the actual quarantine, or there'll be weird analogies for the quarantine without actually being the quarantine. Like that's kind I'm sure of sure we're gonna get some documentaries about, about like how the quarantine was actually fake the whole time. Oh, oh, you mean the pandemic, as people online are saying. Uh, okay, before we get too off to <laughs> with, with conspiracy theories, we should wrap this thing. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, we'll be back um, in two weeks' time. I mean, in light of Nintendo kind of going AWOL with news, I don't really know what we're going to be talking about, except that we're going to probably be powering through our backlog some more and playing some old games that we missed out on. Like, we did a bunch of this episode. I know I'm already um, checking out and excited to get through Firewatch, which is a big indie darling. So impressions of that next episode. I'm sure you guys have games too you're getting through, possibly. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I've been watching more movies of anything, but yeah. Watch some game movies. We've talked about game movies. Hmm. <laughs> or God. something, but we'll, we'll yeah. figure it out. But, Can't wait uh, to yeah. go through all of Weeball's catalog just so we could talk about games. <laughs> that would actually be kind of funny if we did a, a one movie from him an episode. <laughs> like what horror, but like we just make it a segment. I'll volunteer as tribute. We can all do it though. together. We could do it like on a Netflix party style yeah. app or something. They, they don't or all have to be group activities, or, or watch, Jason. Or I'll watch separately and then we can all have our impressions on the podcast. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Either way, if you people at home want to know if we end up pulling through with that idea, you can subscribe to us on all the podcasts apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, uh, Spotify, TuneIn. What was that one? Podcast Now. Is that a real thing? I don't know, but it, you say so many now that I feel like you. I know. I feel like I could just make one up. Yeah, you're like throwing on, one uh, in every other way. 
We're on uh, Palmcast. We're on uh, the Quarantines. We're on the Quarantines. We're on Quarantunes Radio. We're on <laughs> Pocketcast is a real one. Yeah, we're also on YouTube. RamNintendo.com is where you can find us on there, and we're on Twitter at RamNintendo for the collective RamNintendo podcast. And individually, I am at JSR Seven. Angels at W E I R O underscore. I am now on. Okay, so so. I never just because said your no no handle. no I know I know you didn't I know you didn't that, <laughs> okay. that's that's because I made myself a new Twitter handle wait what uh, specifically for like gaming stuff because oh. I am actually getting a, I I'm getting a little too political on my main account and <laughs> I know some people don't want that to be integrated with like you know fun lighter stuff like gaming so I did make what a new it? Twitter if you what want to follow it. it it's uh, KVN G O M I E. So it's Kevin literally Kevin Gomi instead of Kevin Gomi. Yeah. Mm. Nice and simple. <laughs> that was almost like a mmm, delicious. I am following you. It right is now. quite tasty. I'm yeah. your second follower. Yeah, I, I barely started it like maybe about a month ago, and I'm not really trying to promote it that much, but. Until you said on a podcast that has an actual decent listenership. Yeah, sure. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, so Kevin Gomi is where you can find him. Um,. Just to sum that up as if people didn't just hear it. But um, as always, Kevin, I guess you have the final word. Wear your face masks, people.